million smackers and nervous indigestion. Rich fella eating milk and crackers. I'll ask you one question, you silly so and so. With all your dough, are you having any fun? What you getting out of living? What good is good evening, what you ladies and gentlemen, all commissioners and staff. I am calling this meeting to order. If everyone would please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Excellent. Mr. Mendoza, if you would please uh, do a roll call. Commissioner Furia? Present. Commissioner Hugh? Present. Commissioner Replicole Purinton? Present. Commissioner Walton? Present. Vice Chair Jenkins? Here. And Chair Williams? Here. Thank you very much. I do again want to formally Welcome everyone to the Wednesday, January 28th special meeting of the Goleta Parks and Recreation Commission. And we have a very exciting agenda today. We will be reviewing um, the draft master plan for Stowe Grove Park. And uh, we'll be making lots of recommendations today to the city council. So uh, we thank staff for um, the excellent uh, preparation for this meeting, and we very much look forward to um, hearing everyone's reports. But we will begin with the public forum. And this is a time for any member of the public to speak on an item that is not on the agenda. Mr. Mendoza, do we have any members of the public who wish to speak? If there are any members of the public wishing to speak on an item that is not on the agenda, uh, please use the raise hand icon and I can call on you. And there are no hands raised. All right. Thank you very much, Mr. Mendoza. Which brings us to an inquiry of staff and commissioners. Does anyone have any amendments or adjustments you wish to propose to the agenda? Chair Williams, there are no amendments or adjustments. All right. Seeing no commissioner hands raised, we will move to the next item. And the next item is, in fact, our workshop. And the first and only item on the agenda is this evening is, as I noted before, the Stowe Grove Master Plan Update. This item will be subject to a workshop format with the following structure. <clears throat> I will turn this item over first to staff for an update and presentation on the Stowe Grove Park Master Plan. Listening to the presentation in full, um, we will then have the opportunity to hear from the not only staff, but also our consultants. At that time, after the presentations by staff and consultants, commissioners will have the opportunity to ask questions um, and seek clarification. So please jot your questions down and we will um, have good clarification at that point. That will not be the point at which we are discussing 
what our preferences are, but just clarifying what we need to clarify. Um, that will be followed by um, asking the staff um, and all of us to listen carefully to the public, where any of the public who wishes to speak, either here in person or online, may do so. Following protocol, we'll ask members of the public who are here present to go first. Hopefully you have filled out your forms. And then that will be followed by seeing who we have online who will be presenting to us um, uh, online. Um, to enable full discussion, we will uh, start with a three-minute time limit, which is a customary time limit. Um, if we have lots more people, we don't know how many people are online, we may trim that back, but uh, I, probably three minutes is where we'll end up. And this is a slight deviation from normal. Instead of a hard three minutes, if um, there is something else a testifying member of public or a contributing member of public needs to say, we'll be a little flexible. Um, so a minute more or so uh, will be fine. And also, the commissioners will have the opportunity, um, if you wish, after a public member speaks, to ask a clarifying question. And we're just really trying to get the best information we can. And then after the public discussion and uh, input, um, the commissioners then will have the opportunity to uh, discuss and uh, deliberate and vote on uh, the items that are in, you know, in issue and um, also the opportunity in addition to the ones that have been listed on the um, agenda to raise uh, other issues that you may want to bring up. But we have quite a bit of exciting information to review and decisions to be made. And with that, I will turn the uh, microphone over to, um, to Ms. Plumlee. Thank you, Chair Williams, members of the commission and members of the public. Tonight, I'm really excited to be talking to you about the Stowe Grove Park Master Plan and where we are uh, to date um, in the project and moving us forward. Um, I wanted to share, I'm gonna just briefly touch on the staff report because you have it before you. It's posted online for our public and available for the public here as well. And um, I just wanted to share, I'm not going to talk a lot about the background, but this project started all the way back in 2020 uh, in the middle of COVID when we asked the public for some input. And then we decided as a commission and with the recommendation to council that we create a master plan. The master plan is intended to present a new park design in response to community needs and accommodate mandated ADA upgrades to the parking lot, the play features, and possibly the restroom facility. Um, the purpose of this workshop tonight is to summarize the results from our June 2022 and December 2022 public workshops and surveys, present a summary of the draft master plan and seek commission's input and the public's input and resolve competing public interest in some of the potential park amenities. The staff presentation tonight will highlight the infrastructure amenities that received mixed responses from the public outreach process, as well as four amenities that are strongly supported, but the design can only accommodate two of them. As such, the staff will seek the commission input on resolving those com competing amenity interests at two of those locations, uh, one in the southern section of the park and one in the northern section, and they're referred to as the vignette areas, so you will hear that term this evening. 
In addition to the vignette areas and the need for um, direction on those, the project team has also identified several potential amenities that have received mixed responses from the workshop and the survey outcomes. Those are items we'll be voting on tonight at the end of the evening as well uh, to provide some guidance uh, for the project team in their creation of the final document. Um, I also wanted to share that um, this that in previous commission meetings, we had some lengthy discussions related to the ESHA, otherwise known as environmentally sensitive habitat areas within the park. During those presentations, during this presentation, proposed amenities that would likely have an impact to the ESHA or its protective buffers have been flagged for reference purposes. Your staff report has further details uh, regarding the ESHA, the ESHA buffers, the Goleta Municipal Code, the conservation elements, um, and the zoning permits and the process that we would need to follow should there be a conflict um, within the staff report. So that's uh, very detailed, so I'm, I won't go into those details at this time. It's also very important to note that this process is to create a master plan for future renovations of Stowe Grove Park. The master plan is a conceptual plan which places the concepts of the amenities in specific areas of the park, not a specific amenity. An example would be interpretive signs along a pathway. The concept of adding these signs for education is what we're going to be placing in the plan, not the size, the style, the color, the wording, etc. Those types of decisions will be addressed during the development of the construction documents further down the phase. We just wanna know, do we wanna have interpretive signs? And we heard from the public, I believe that is a big yes. Uh, so we wanna have those interpretive signs and how those will look will come out later as we get further in the process. Tonight, staff is requesting that the commission provide input on the amenity types for the two vignette areas of the draft master plan, as well as those items that demonstrate contradicting responses among the desires of the community members from the input received thus far. The project team will utilize this information to develop a final master plan to be presented to the city council for consideration. Tonight, we have in person from our consulting team, KTUNA, Mark Carpenter and Matthew Wilkins and um, they will be presenting. We also have on the line, Mr. Mike Singleton. You're very familiar with Mr. Singleton. Um, he has been with this project. Um, a big congratulations to Mr. Singleton as he retired at the end of the year, but is sticking around to see us to the end of this project. So we thank you, Mr. Singleton, and congratulations. Um, and then we also have Mr. George Thompson, our Parks and Open Space Manager in the audience tonight. If there are any questions related to maintenance, uh, current, future uh, needs, um, challenges, anything like that, Mr. Thompson is available for questions as well as any of the project team. So without further ado, I'm gonna go ahead and turn it over to Mr. Wilkins to take over. Well, thank you so much, Ms. Plummer, and um, good evening, uh, Madam Chair and uh, fellow commissioners. We are very excited to share the findings from the workshops as well as the overall presentation of the draft master plan this evening. Um, I think we can go through some of the slides on the PowerPoint, hopefully, and um, we'll be going through some introductions here, but we can, if we can pull those up, then we'll, we'll start on that. Um, one of the things I do wanna note is that uh, we did have a lot of responses throughout this whole process. So what we found from day one is that really this is a cherished park within the community. We, we heard that through the entire process, and that's really exciting for us. That is something that we want to build on that momentum and honor really the uh, support through the community. 
So with that, um, we'll go through some slides. We do have over 70 slides, so I'm gonna go through very quickly. And then at the end, we'll have some discussion and we can have some um, questions and answers and things like that. Um, but I will go through these fairly quickly, so please bear with me here. All right, let's see if this works. Okay. If not, I can, um, we can do next slide. Okay, we'll, we'll do that. All right, so um, we'll have up here in a second the uh, agenda for the workshop this evening. So a little bit of time for introductions, which we've done a little bit so far. Um, the presentation, we're allotting around 30 to 35 minutes for that. And then we do wanna open up for just the uh, general discussion and then get into closing remarks. Um, so with that, again, a uh, brief introduction. Uh, my name is Matt Wilkins. I've been the project manager for this project. Again, very honored to be uh, able to present this evening. Along with me is uh, Mark Carpenter and then Mike Singleton, who's on the line. And uh, I'll hand it over to Mike to do a little bit of uh, brief introduction as well as some background to the project. Next slide, please. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, and um, as indicated, I am retired now, but as you can see, for those that have been involved in this uh, through the pandemic with me online quite often. It's still the same background. It's not the Bahamas or anywhere else. So I didn't, but um, I'm still here. <laughs> but I did want to see the project through and, and I originally was planning on retiring in September, but because of this project and a, another one in Santa Barbara, I postponed it once, but mentioning it to postpone it a second time was not a good topic here in the family. So, <laughs> so at this point, I'm just helping out where I can in the next couple of months, just to see this wrapped up as best as possible. Go ahead, next slide. So um, the, the major updates since the last time we had some discussions on this was the second workshop that occurred on December uh, 3rd um, of about 70 people. Then we did do follow it up with a public survey, which there are about 500 responses on that one. Next slide. If you remember back at the very first workshop, what we're concentrating on or the areas where uh, some other amenities could fit within the park, um, and those were the ones that were shown in red. We recognize the importance of the resources in the park, and we also feel very strongly that, uh, and, and you've heard this metaphor, some of you heard the metaphor before, that this is really like an architectural home here. We've got walls, um, we've got ceilings, which are really the tree canopies, and what we're trying to do now is not a wholesale tear the house down or even move walls because the walls are the, th the vertical elements that define different rooms of the site. What we're really talking about is moving furniture around and bringing some other furniture in to make more functions to it. The only area where we're really moving anything tends to be the maintenance yard in terms of its access point. And that's because right now it's like you're the driving through, it's, it's like having your garage in your um, kid's room. So. That's one area that we needed to adjust, but for the most part, everything else we're talking about, just limited areas of where some additional amenities can fit. Next slide. And as in, this is just one as the examples that when we went through the process before, we had the idea of an all abilities playground just as one sample of many. And it was really at that point, we had decided that uh, between area B and C is where it's most appropriate to occur. And this is just kind of a summary of what the public had said on that. So really that first round of workshop was about uh, amenities and areas that could be considered. Next slide. So as uh, Joanne had mentioned, there's quite a bit of discussion and, and 
quite a big delay in there um, relative to really taking it slowly and taking a closer look at the overall ESHA areas and what that meant to the park planning. And uh, so it's really about the eucalyptus grove that um, is along the street and then also the forest woodland made up of the redwoods and other um, major trees in that area. Um, both of them as a, a monarch butterfly and raptor roosting were really the big issues associated with that. But despite the, um, that they're, despite the fact that they could be there, there's no recent historical sightings of the monarchs in these areas, uh, but still they need to be, um, continue to be protected as an ESHA site because of their potential uh, for the, the, both the monarch roost and the uh, butterfly aggregation areas. So um, the efforts that we went through, we just needed to make sure very closely that we were following the general plan conservation element requirements for ESHA. Next. And in the upper area, you can see basically the monarch um, um, roosting areas or the butterfly aggregation areas were really across, uh, follows the main road by the elementary school. And that basically is a long narrow area of uh, based on the eucalyptus trees, whereas the other area off to the side on this where the blues and oranges are more towards the north end of the park related to the redwood forest. And that included also, you know, some potential monarch, but also roosting that were affected with it. And, and there's both a 50 foot and a 100 foot buffer. But when you apply these to the site, really, it's only the very very southern end, very small tip down there, and the very northern end where the multi-purpose field is that has no restrictions whatsoever and no uh, buffer overlaps on it. So pretty much the rest of the site with a very small sliver where we're talking about potentially parts of the playground to go are really the only areas to work with that 100% clear out of it. But the most important thing to know here, with the exception of the maintenance access road to change the configuration of where that goes, there's not a single tree that we feel that needs to come down whatsoever and everything proposed in here would be with the intent to keep all trees and to plant a lot more on top of that. Next slide. So that I'll go ahead and turn it back over to Matt to go through the detail of what uh, happened both at uh, workshop two and summarize uh, some of the outstanding issues and the conflicts that we've seen based on the data we've collected to date. All right, thank you, Mike. Um, we can advance through these slides and I'll uh, go over them pretty quickly. So as Mike mentioned, we did have 70 attendees for the workshop. Uh, there was uh, several mapped exhibits and some photo boards that we presented that evening, or morning, I should say. Uh, and then we were able to have a site walk and tour. Uh, the weather cooperated for us, so we were able to get out there, as you can see on the bottom right-hand side there, um, and walk the site with uh, various community members. So that was very helpful. All right, next slide, please. Um, of that, we did get uh, some, some feedback. Now, one of the things I should note is that um, we did have more turnout than we anticipated, which was great. Uh, we ended up prepping about 30 packets of materials. We had 70 folks, so we had to, uh, on the fly there, create some more um, materials to help facilitate that workshop. And you know, with that, there was a, a lot of energy, a lot of discussion, um, and there was you know maybe some confusion on some of the input mechanisms there. Um, but we were able to help uh, work that along and, and talk to various members of the community. One thing I do want to note is we did take the survey findings and separate it from the workshop findings because of some of that that um, confusion that may have occurred in the workshop. Um, we will share this evening there that um, we did see some similarities there, and that will help to substantiate some of our key findings. So we do want to highlight that. 
Um, uh, with that said, though, we did get some, um, some voting that occurred. Uh, on the bottom there are the four options, and really with the, um, the voting, we were asking that you had one star for your favorite plan, two for your favorite amenities, um, seven green dots for amenities they like, and then seven red dots for amenities uh, they dislike. Uh, I will note that not all attendees, um, in fact, you can say most attendees, um, did not use all of their dots, uh, so that is to note. All right, next slide, please. So I'll, I'll summarize some of these uh, workshop results. Because of some of the conf um, confusion there, there wasn't a significant amount of votes on a particular plan. Um, but we did get some votes for alternative A, and um, that was followed by alternative C. All right, next slide, please. Uh, one thing to note here, I'm not going to go into too much detail of all the amenities, but if you can recall, we did have a, a list of amenities that we really wanted to vet out through this process. And within that, um, we, we had them categorized into these four um, areas here, or, or general themes, um, and that included the general improvements, uh, nature or natural relaxation um, amenities, some of the social and educational amenities, and lastly, the play and um, active-focused amenities. Um, here on the left-hand side, you can see that's a, a pie chart, just really capturing big picture of um, where the votes were casted in all of those amenities there. So you'll see a number of these, um, these charts through the um, presentation this evening, and, and um, I won't go over them in too much depth, but just remember that distribution, and I'll come full circle as, uh, as it comes to the draft master plan this evening. All right, next slide, please. Um, some of the favorite amenities that were uh, voiced in the workshop. Uh, number one was refurbishing the caretaker cottage. Uh, number two, expanding, upgrading the playgrounds. Number three, uh, pump track, which we'll have more discussion on this evening. Uh, number four, bird watching trails. Number five was enhancing the redwood groves. Number six, uh, native garden tree grove. Number seven, um, nature theme playground, and that was really tied with number eight as well, a dog park with fencing. All right, next slide, please. Um, this was, again, the distribution for the liked amenities. We can go to the next slide. And then um, amongst those, the top ones there, I'll, I'll just go through the top three. I know you have the package there, and we can revisit some of these slides. Um, native garden, tree grove, refurbishing the caretaker cottage, and the walking running path were, were the top three on that one. Uh, next slide, please. And then uh, for the dislike, uh, really the pump track, uh, pickleball courts, and dog park with fencing were some of the, the top um, uh, voice dislikes in that workshop. Um, so again, um, we want to focus on some of those areas as discussion items. Um, I think that chart on the right really helps to show where the um, votes were casted, either in like, favorite, or dislike. And so that was really telling for us um, throughout this process. All right, next slide, please. Um, just to uh, summarize in some key takeaways. So we did uh, notice there is support for refurbishing the caretaker cottage, support for expanding and upgrading the playground, um, support also for enhancing the trails and walking paths, and then support for botanical and native gardens. Uh, there was some conflicting support for the pump track, um, as well as conflicting support for the exploratory play elements, um, uh, along with the dog park and fitness trail. And then there was really low support for the pickleball courts, uh, for the special event support, gazebo and raised viewing platform, and then also for the botch ball uh, that we proposed. All right, next slide, please. 
Um, some additional comments. We did have some members express a desire for the pump track in written comments. That was um, something, again, that we, that we heard um, on both sides, really, that uh, there wasn't a desire for the pump track, and then there was a lot of desire. So we do want to look at that a little bit closer. Um, some participants did express desire for an alternative E um, or do nothing to the park. Um, so we, we did talk through that a little bit more and then explain really that at a minimum the general park improvements are needed um, to bring it up to code, ADA code, and make sure that it's um, uh, meeting the need for the community over the next 30 years. That is really the, the emphasis of the general um, uh, the master plan here is to really try to address uh, the needs for the community over the next 30 years. So we did have that opportunity to explain that. Um, some individuals mentioned that a restroom facility near the playground is much needed. And then uh, lastly, there were some members that um, supported the native uh, botanical garden. And then um, some of the management uh, maintenance considerations were also expressed um, by various uh, members as well. All right, next slide, please. So uh, we did follow up the workshop with the survey, um, and that was really helpful. We did get over um, 500 responses, so that was good. Uh, next slide, please. And with that, we, uh, we were able to get into a little bit more depth of what, um, what some of the folks here in Goleta really wanted to see. Um, similar to the second uh, workshop that we had, um, or the first workshop, rather, um, in the second survey that was um, administered for this park, um, there were some folks outside of the city of Goleta. So we did end up taking some of those out of this here, or, or I should say taking all of those out and really focusing on the members of the community uh, within Goleta. Um, so that is something to underline here as we're going through these results. Um, there were uh, various um, other groups and, and members that we were able to focus in on, so we can talk through that a little bit more, but we are looking at the entire pool and um, in the city of Goleta, and with that, we did have uh, really two choices, again, for the favorite amenity. Um, we did, in this case, have a little bit better opportunity to hone into the plan that we wanted them to, to vote on. Um, we did, again, have seven choices um, for both the like and dislike um, amenities there, and then uh, similar to the workshop, not all of the respondents and most respondents did not use all of the votes, and that's okay. We, we certainly wanted to encourage that, but give the opportunity to express if they had desire for likes, favorites, dislikes across the board there. All right, uh, next slide, please. Um, so in this case, we did get a lot more votes casted for an alternative, but it was really close um, between alternative A and alternative D really two votes uh, was the difference there. So um, there was, again, a lot of uh, desire for nature um, amenities or natural amenities, um, passive amenities, as well as some of these play-focused amenities. Um, and that will be something that we look into a little bit later. All right, next slide, please. Um, again, uh, distribution when you're looking at the favorite amenities. Um, so a lot of them were leaning towards the general park improvements, uh, but you also saw a lot of favorites um, lean into the play and active categories there as well. All right, next slide, please. And then uh, I, I won't go over these in depth, but again, the top three really in the favorite category, uh, pump track was number one, number two, enhancing the redwood groves, and then number three, um, upgrading the current restroom. One of the notes uh, that is down at the bottom there is that uh, when you start to collect some of the votes um, on 
a lot of these amenities that are very similar, like the garden amenities, that did raise to the top in this case. Um, the playground amenities was another uh, kind of amenity item that had several things listed, but when you collect that together, it definitely had a lot more support. And then um, likewise for the nature play amenities. All right, next slide, please. Um, again, distribution for the like uh, amenities, uh, a lot more leaning into the uh, play and active amenities, and then followed by the general park improvements, um, and then the natural relaxation amenities. Next slide, please. And then top three here for the like, uh, you do have the enhanced redwood groves, the pump track number two, and then number three, um, upgrading the existing walking trails. And then again, uh, the note at the bottom, a lot of support when you collect some of those and look at them there, those do raise up almost to the top of the list. All right, next slide, please. And then dislike uh, pickleball courts with fencing was number one. Um, number two, dog park with fencing. And number three, the pump track. Uh, so that was also something that was a favorite. So that's another area of focus that we, we certainly want to look into. All right, next slide, please. So again, some key takeaways. So support for enhancing the redwood groves and uh, most of the general improvements. Uh, support for a new restroom building was uh, heavily voiced. Uh, support for bird watching, uh, interpretive trails, and botanical native pollinator garden amenities. And then support for expanding and upgrading the playground. Uh, really, we had some conflicting support, as, as we saw, for the pump track. Um, some conflicting support for expanding or, or the, uh, the exploratory nature play elements, uh, conflicting support for the dog park, and then um, conflicting support for the fitness trail and equipment, and um, also just the low support, again, for pickleball courts, um, and then low support for special um, event elements, uh, stages, gazebos, bocce ball, um, some of those activities. All right, next slide, please. Uh, just some additional comments. Uh, we did read through each and every comment, um, and it was very helpful for us. So some of the ones that um, we wanted to highlight, there were several additional comments about adding a restroom near the playground. So um, we did hear that through some of the comments as well. That is a um, heavily supported item. Uh, there were numerous additional comments about including a pump track in Goleta again. Uh, there were some community members expressing the desire to keep the park natural, but others expressed enhancing and including other nature-based uh, amenities would really um, help the park as it moves forward in the next 30 years. And then several members mentioned that smoother trails would be preferred and um, you know, having uh, some ADA and um, access uh, throughout the park there is, is really needed. So next slide, please. All right, so with all of that, we wanna get into the suggested draft master plan design. So we're, we're hearing all this great um, you know, support for all these amenities, and that really gets into the plan that you see over here to the left, and then which I'll um, show on the screen in a second here as well. So K2A, our team really took those amenities and elements, um, and uh, uh, really from the first and second workshop, and, and evaluated how those would best fit within the park and the um, uh, really appropriate locations uh, for all those amenities. Um, really respecting the, again, as Mike mentioned, uh, the, the infrastructure of the house there, the infrastructure of the park, we really want to honor that, make sure that everything is intact there and built upon that. So we're, uh, again, exploring the various general park improvements that are needed and help maintain the current park's level uh, service and uh, accommodating some of the desired amenities. Uh, that was really the goal for our team. And then we also looked at other passive and educational amenities that could fit within the site. And I'll share with you this evening um, a couple other alternatives that we even um, started to explore that we want your input on. 
All right, next slide, please. Uh, we did share this during our last presentation with you all. Um, this is how we categorize, as you saw with the workshop um, input, uh, the various activities and amenities within the park. One of the things, again, that's foundational to this is that those general park improvements are important. So um, again, we, we took that uh, here with the master plan, draft master plan this evening. All right, next slide, please. Uh, this is another thing that we shared previously. We did have the various options for that last workshop um, kind of charted here with a, with a lot of different amenities. So here is just a good way to summarize it based on what was um, put into the draft master plan. The ones that are highlighted there are the amenities that are for discussion that we really want to um, have more support on and hear from you all this evening. Um, I won't go over these in depth. Um, we do have several slides that cover these, so we can probably go through these slides uh, fairly quickly, and then we can revisit these as a summary if needed to talk through them a little bit more. Um, but again, we, we had several things here that, um, again, really highlighted some of the uh, nature and passive amenities. Uh, on the next couple slides here, you can um, go through pretty quickly. Uh, again, the social educational amenities, and then lastly, the the active amenities, we had, um, again, a number of items there that we wanted to discuss with you this evening. And then lastly, we, we plotted that into a chart as well. So we're trying to draw some similarities to all these, uh, you know, these charts that you're seeing and, and how this comes full circle to you know, how we're um, framing up this design. And um, this, is, this is a good summary way of um, you know, showing you know, that really those general park improvements are foundational again to the park. You know, that, that's the biggest part of that, um, that pie chart there. Uh, and then followed by that, you have a lot of the relaxation and nature-based activities. Um, or amenities, and then um, there it's kind of a balance between these social and play activities. That's really the essence of the park today, so we're trying to build upon that moving forward. All right, next slide, please. Uh, so there it is, the grand reveal. There's the draft master plan. Now, the, the key word here is that it's draft. We really wanna get some more input this evening, make sure that we're hearing from you all, and, and then guiding this to the next steps. All right, next slide, please. And then uh, these series of slides, really, we can go through fairly quickly. Um, but these are highlighting these various improvements. So um, under the general park improvements category, we are looking at refurbishing the parking lot. Um, that was a high support amenity there. Um, and with that, we're kind of fixing the circulation throughout the parking lot. We're looking at uh, repaving the parking lot and then enhancing the drainage and stormwater. We did see that here lately with all the storms. Um, and, and we walked the park just before this uh, meeting and there is some scour through that, uh, that area just south of the parking lot going into the playground. So we know that's something that needs to be addressed there. And then with that really adding um, ADA parking, again, that was highly supported. Uh, there, uh, there really is some desire then to bringing the parking lot up to the latest ADA uh, requirement, uh, which is required by law if you're um, doing improvements within the park there. And then adding ADA stalls and access into the park, uh, which is again required by law. All right, next slide, please. Um, another thing that was really highly supported was refurbishing the current restroom. So bringing the current restroom again to the latest ADA code and standards, and then really um, enhancing the exterior of the restroom. We did uh, look at the restroom with our architect that's on the team, and uh, he, he noted some things that could be addressed there to help bring it up to code, and then also just um, enhance it a little bit to, uh, to again, uh, match the, the level of service needed for the next 30 years. All right, next slide, please. And then um, as was expressed through the workshop um, findings, 
adding a new restroom here had high support. So really looking at a location near that playground where we can add a restroom and um, get rid of some of the, the um, we know that there's some temporary measures out there to, to help with that. So looking at something that could be more permanent and, and really um, meet the aesthetic and need of the park. All right, next slide, please. Um, and then really looking at refurbishing the maintenance facility. Um, this one did have some moderate support. So you'll see some of these that have moderate support we're gonna talk through a little bit more this evening uh, because we really wanna make sure that that is something that we take forward into the final uh, master plan here. Um, but really we're looking again, as Mike mentioned, at relocating the entrance into the maintenance facility off of La Patera. And then um, looking at upgrades to the, um, to the structure, the grounds, fencing and access to, to allow for um, a good maintenance yard there. Uh, and, oh, one thing to note, yes, is there is a tree removal needed there um, coming off the road. So um, that is something that we'll further um, discuss as we go forward. All right, and next. Just to add one, one item that if you can go back to it, it's also very important to point out the area that's reclaimed by making these adjustments to the, uh, the maintenance yard of it. Um, basically, you have a road down that area. We also have a big need for drainage to handle it more appropriately and to connect the two parts of the park because the maintenance um, access point and the way it's handled right now divides the park into two areas. And we're really looking at trying to combine those two and so that really has the ability to tie the full experience through the park and walking where there is a road now to have more of a natural trail that goes through that area. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that, Mike. Um, and and we'll, we'll show in a couple slides here how that really helps uh, once you move that maintenance access. Um, so thanks for highlighting that. All right, uh, next slide, please. Uh, so another thing that is um, foundational, again, uh, for the improvements is looking for a location to house the trash receptacles that are out there. They're kind of floating out there right now. So, you know, doing something that really helps to, um, to make it a little bit more sightly and, and give them a home there. Um, and uh, with that, we're looking at placing that at the end of the parking lot where it currently is um, and allowing for a little bit more ease of access again, um, as I mentioned. All right, uh, the other general park improvement is really looking at improving the horseshoe area. This did have some moderate support, I should note, um, but really we're looking at maybe including a new backstop and uh, curb edging um, to contain the dirt and, and um, Filling that back in with some dirt, I know over time, you know, that, that does kind of erode away. Um, and then uh, consider really adding some seating around the horseshoe area. Um, it is a unique feature, and um, we did hear from some folks in the community that it does get used from time to time, so we want to enhance that and, and keep that there. All right, uh, next slide, please. Um, number seven, upgrading the existing park entrances. Uh, this one did have moderate support, so it is something, again, we want to talk through a little bit more this evening. Um, with that, though, we're, we're really looking at, um, I'll, I'll go to the last point, um, enhancing the, uh, the entrances at a minimum to um, bring them up to ADA code requirements. Uh, again, that's required by law. So that would be a foundational thing that I think no matter what we look at. Um, but on top of that, we may be looking at enhancing the existing um, entrances and including directional signage, and then maybe looking at um, some gateway elements, especially at some of the prominent entrances to really celebrate the entry into that park so you have that experience. All right, next slide, please. Um, number eight here, uh, looking at refurbishing the existing picnic areas. We know that those are um, highly utilized and appreciated within the park. So that was a high support amenity. Um, really, uh, there's a list of items there. So replacing the damaged or broken tables, looking at repairing the existing shade structure, 
adding actually a shade structure over um, kind of in that middle picnic area. There was a loss of a tree there, a mature tree, unfortunately. Uh, but really looking at something to help supplement that and, and provide some um, sustainable shade long term. And then uh, replacing some of the damaged litter and recycling receptacles, maintaining and smoothing the existing surface conditions there, uh, fixing and maintaining the existing barbecue areas there, um, and then adding and enhancing really the signage and monumentation so people know which uh, you know, picnic area they're going to. And then uh, lastly, looking at helping uh, define the picnic area spaces. So you know, sometimes, especially with the one on the, on the south end there, uh, by the uh, the entry entranceway, it does get close to that pathway. So we did have some discussions of maybe adding some um, delineation there, maybe a split rail fence to really provide that um, that separation from the park users to that activity area. All right, next slide, please. Uh, so this is our last uh, general park improvement. So really looking at um, refurbishing the redwood groves. I should say, last but not least, this is kind of the heart of the, the park, right? Um, so this did have high support, of course. Um, but really with that, and, and this supports a lot of the great work that George behind me has uh, been working on um, over the last few years here. But, but really look at in, improving and maintaining the existing redwood uh, groves and understory. And then um, looking at the fencing and access, really enhancing that. And then uh, refurbishing the walking trails and entrances throughout that area. That's a, that's a big experience, again, to the park. Um, so really adding accessible paths throughout the park. Um, likely that will be DG material, but we do know from an ADA standpoint that we may be considering some concrete paths there. Um, and then uh, looking at smoothing the trails and uh, having additional seating trash receptacles um, throughout there, and then additional understory native planting, um, which would be shown throughout those groves there. All right, uh, we can go on to the next amenity. Uh, so really the nature passive amenities, um, you know, a little bit less in these categories, but again, some high level support of, of some of these items here. So the general use fields, uh, this is a unique thing at the south end of the park. It's really a nice thing to, to you know, preserve and kind of keep that park feeling like it's open and, um, and inviting. So really we're looking at regrading and reseeding the areas of the lawn, um, upgrading the irrigation system, and then implementing measures to prevent gopher impacts because we do know that that is um, an issue for both the field areas, which I'll get to. All right, next one, please. Uh, number two is really interpretive bird watching trails. Uh, there's a lot of support for this again. Um, and that would really look at in, um, including interpretive signs and elements throughout the existing trails, including misting and, and fogging devices within the redwood trees. I think that's a really neat thing we talked about in the workshop because you know, we want to emulate that natural condition of these trees. We know that they're out of their native range. And, and really, when you see them in their um, native environment along the coast, there's a lot more fog and, and mist. And so that could be a, a nice thing that is activated when you're walking through these trails and really helps to um, you know, give a little bit more vigor and health to those trees as well. Uh, the third thing here is really including small areas for bird watching, refuge, and seating. We did hear a lot of that as well. And there's, there's a lot of um, opportunities to do that in, um, within the park. All right, next one. Uh, third here is the Botanical Native Garden. Again, uh, high-level support here. Uh, really, we had some discussions about taking that and infusing it within those redwood groves, since that is really an, um, a, a, a foundational thing to this park. Um, and you can do a lot of things there as far as um, celebrating that um, 
that uh, native habitat. And that does help to some degree there with, um, you know, making it kind of symbiotic to those trees and emulating again that, that native habitat there. So that's the, the essence of that. Um, really, we, we want to consider educational tags and um, opportunities to really allow for some, some donor um, plaques and things like that, but really have some educational elements within uh, the redwood groves there. All right, next one, please. And then uh, the butterfly bee garden was something that was highly supported. So we were looking for areas, and of course, this was something that came out of the, the first workshop as a, as a potential location for this. Um, but it really um, does allow for a little bit more solar exposure in this particular area. So, you know, some of these plants really like to have a lot, lot more sun. And, you know, when you're celebrating the um, pollinator garden and, and um, you know, also some of the butterfly uh, aspects to that, you can have this ability then to, to really bring in some educational areas um, and signage and things of that nature. Uh, we do have a little small seating area there for reading, relaxing, and just outdoor gathering, you know, like a book club or something like that where you can gather and enjoy that space. All right, next slide, please. And then there's uh, opportunity to have a native tree grove. Um, we do know that there's some, a uh, couple non-natives in that area, but uh, we're looking at potentially adding some planting there um, and you know, maybe helping to, uh, again, for the next 30 years, bring, bring to life a uh, um, little area of the grove. That is a really neat area, as, as you know, Mike mentioned, there's these hallways through the park. That one in particular, you stand there and there's uh, kind of a nice alley of trees. So you know, we thought that would be an opportune place to have this tree grove and celebrate that a little bit. And it'd be off the path. There's a main path that, that kind of hugs the um, western edge. So we would really be looking at closer to the houses, having more of an informal path with some edge planting to separate it from the house or the, the houses there. All right, the social educational amenities. So really we're looking at a caretaker cottage um, and having some shared community use that did have some high support again with the community. Um, and that could really include uh, reserving or having a reservable space or um, maybe a nature center that could be um, up for further discussion. Um, enhancing the walkways and uh, and really looking at some decorative uh, paving elements within that area. And then improving the drainage again, um, kind of considering a small bioswell with educational elements, um, that is something as well that could happen with that promenade there, um, which we'll get to. All right, uh, the second social educational amenity is uh, really looking at the picnic areas, but um, supporting those a little bit further. Uh, this did have some moderate support, so this is an area that we want to talk through a little bit more this evening. Uh, but we could look at opportunities such as in, in including um, cornhole or the you know the bag toss game there, um, exploring uh, concrete ping pong tables, and then really defining areas for bounce houses. That's something that we heard a lot on um, you know the site walk is that um, sometimes the bounce houses get a little close to the houses. So that would be something throughout um, all the picnic areas we can look at, but you know primarily in some of these areas where they're mixed together, you know maybe having some more definition and delineation for that. All right, and then uh, on the south end of the park, uh, there is a really a unique set of planting there that echoes the planting that you would see in the Channel Islands. Um, so we're, we're thinking that there, there could be some opportunity to celebrate that a little bit more. Um, throughout the park, there's some um, small pockets here to, to celebrate you know, some of these planting, uh, unique planting areas in the redwoods, the, the southern, southern area um, on the 
western part of the park there looking at the, um, the eucalyptus trees and celebrating that type of planting area. So we're thinking throughout all of these, and I'll just say this as kind of a, a you know, grand statement, but you know, there is some opportunities to highlight some of these different ecosystems, really. Um, and that's a, a unique thing to this park. And, and that's highlighted here with the Channel Island planting. Um, and, and with that, you can have interpretive signage and elements there. All right, next one, please. Um, the entrance area here on the, kind of in the center of the park, uh, we're really uh, calling this kind of the entrance junction um, or a plaza. That's kind of up to discussion here. Uh, but at a minimum, it is a area where a lot of paths come together. So naturally, you know, it's a collection point. It's a point where you can have some um, additional signage. Uh, that did have some moderate support, so we want to talk through that a little bit more. Um, but really, uh, this would have uh, the ability to have more directional signs to locate where some features are within the park um, and direct folks. And then um, it could include some small art or interpretive elements, really, for the park um, so, so that it helps to celebrate that grand entrance as well. And then the entry promenade uh, that would lead into that space. Um, this is, as Mike mentioned earlier, one of the things that comes to light uh, when you move that maintenance and you take it out of the, the you know, main play area, as, as he mentioned. You know. So um, with that, then you can include interpretive elements along that pathway. You could really enhance the walkway with decorative paving elements. Uh, Mark and I were talking as we were out there um, just a little bit ago that that might be an opportunity to celebrate maybe some um, permeable paving. Um, since there is a lot of water coming down, it'll help to distribute that. And then you can celebrate that again with some interpretive signage and educational elements. Um, and you can consider maybe even a bioswell that's off to the side of that, um, again, to have some nice planting um, and, and really educational elements there. All right, and, and we're almost through it here, so thank you for your patience as we're going through these. Um, the last category is the play and active amenities. So uh, the first one here is expanding the nature-themed playground. Uh, that did have high support. Really, we'd be looking at replacing the two to five-year-old equipment. They call that tot lots, so something there for, um, for the little ones. Uh, replacing the five to 12-year-old equipment installing resilient surfacing, improving the stormwater drainage, improving nature theme, and um, uh, well, including really kind of this uh, all-inclusive elements um, that we'll highlight a bit more, and then increasing some seating around that playground. All right, next slide, please. Uh, the multi-use play field, this did have some high support as well. So really regrading and reseeding the areas, I did highlight this in the southern lawn area. Upgrading the irrigation system, um, implementing measures to prevent gopher impacts there, and then um, installing a new backstop for the, um, that backstop that's out there. And then uh, this third one here, so the sand volleyball, we did have some moderate support. So in this particular case, you're, you're looking at maybe um, taking one of those sand volleyball courts out in order to accommodate a path to go around and then um, get a little bit more formality to that space. So in this case, we are considering removing one volleyball court um, and then replacing that or enhancing it then um, with, uh, with that, that movement and installing a new net surrounding edges and informal seating areas there. All right, next slide, please. And then as I mentioned, the fitness trail, that loop, High support there. Um, the stars there do highlight some um, small equipment uh, features, fitness equipment. Uh, we're calling this little loop here kind of a fitness loop where you can have, again, a lot of that equipment and, and maybe have some, some exercise um, while you're running across or around that trail there. Um, and again, that can include signage and markers for distance and things of that nature. All right, next slide, please. 
and then uh, really through the, the spine or this you know main path of the park, uh, you have this opportunity to have a walking and running path. And I think that's a, a you know element that's heavily used today, but um, especially when you look at the um, kind of that eastern edge of the park, it's not really well defined. So looking at maybe an ADA path there that, that really allows for that. And then considering um, some access for maintenance vehicles and emergency vehicles so that they can get some easy access through the park as well. Um, including with that then some areas for refuge and um, seating so you can relax along that walkway there. And then including some interpretive signs throughout the park as well. And then uh, in this area here, we're, we're going to highlight some, um, some vignettes in a second. Um, but this would have the ability to, um, to take into account some of the existing play equipment that's out there, you know, but maybe looking at it, introducing some small boulders and, and small nature play elements, logs and things like that, um, you know, really enhancing that and, and um, having an area that celebrates, again, the, the natural aspects there. Um, that did have moderate support, so we do want to talk through that a little bit more this evening. All right, so with that, we do have these vignette areas. These are areas that we had some, uh, let's say, conflicting support on amenities, and we wanted to look at different options, really, to you know allow for this public process and get some, some um, direction from you all and the public on how to move forward with the master plan. Uh, so this south area here, we have area, um, two options, and again, we're, we're kind of exploring uh, one thing that was um, uh, kind of a, a moderate support amenity, which was the All Abilities Playground. Uh, we did hear a lot that expanding the playground is desired, so we want to look into that. Um, and then uh, I'll show uh, the two here, but the, the other is looking at some nature play elements in there as well. All right. So this is uh, a little bit of a layout here, just exploring what this all abilities inclusive playground would look like. The existing edge of the playground is kind of highlighted in the, the middle area there and those larger trees. So really as you go west from there, you're looking at expanding into that area and making it into a larger all abilities inclusive playground. Um, and that would include um, you know, different play features such as rockers, spinners, zip lines, sensory play elements, and a large, a potentially large inclusive play structure. Uh, you know, the one thing to really note there is that by law, all playgrounds, you know, have to meet a minimum code for, for ADA. But when you're talking all abilities, you're, you're hitting all the segments within the population for kids that have maybe some sensory issues. Um, you know, some, some children may have some um, mobility issues, you know, and so this really celebrates an area for all kids to come together, celebrate and play, and it, it, it includes play features like you see or, or the, the images there um, that allow for kids to, to get together and, and really um, enjoy uh, really the beauty of this park and, and um, have fun in that playground. All right, next slide, please. And then this really is looking at explore, exploratory or nature play elements within that playground. Um, the one thing to note is that both of these are within the ESHA buffer, so we will need to talk through that a little bit more and, and you know, some um, steps of how to go through that process. Um, but again, there, there was a lot of support for exploratory nature play and really expanding the playground. Um, so this could include items such as a zip line, nature play elements, bouldering course, balance logs, uh, tree fort, or other exploratory nature play elements. Um, you know, and that would really be um, decided upon in the next step, as Joanne mentioned at the beginning of the presentation. 
All right, the, the next vignette area is A and B. This is north of the parking lot, and really we're looking at the pump track in this area. Given the high-level support for this, um, you know, we did want to explore it. There was some conflicting um, direction as far as, you know, having that in the southern area of the park and then having those um, garden spaces there. Uh, because there's a lot more sunlight there, again, we, you know, and there was a high-level support for that pollinator garden, we thought that was a place to place uh, place that amenity, um, but we did want to explore that. All right, uh, next slide, please. Um, so with the pump track here, you know, a couple things to note. This would really be a um, kind of a smaller pump track in the, in the grand scale, um, but it, it could include a beginner or um, a novice pump track loop, and then a, a potentially a secondary or moderately advanced um, uh, pump track loop with maybe banks and small jumps and things like that. Um, it, it may have some impact then to the, the access to the um, fields, and you would have to potentially explore another path of travel to get um, through the groves to get to, that, uh, to the fields there. And then the overall size, as I mentioned, um, you know, relative to pump tracks, is kind of on the smaller size. So you're not going to get, um, you know, a lot of the advanced features and, and play features or, or jump features, things like that, that you'd get in a larger area. So that, so that is to note and something to consider as well. All right, next slide, please. And then the exploratory nature play, uh, we did look into this a little bit more as far as having this area um, include the bouldering course, the balance logs, tree fort, um, some of those things in the uh, case that, you know, the all-inclusive playground does happen on the, the southern end. We could do both uh, nature play and exploratory play in both those areas. Uh, what we would probably do is have one that's a little bit more exploratory themed um, and maybe a little bit more formalized in that, that southern area by the existing playground. And this may become a little bit more nature themed. So we might consider that if that's the direction we, we choose to go. All right, uh, we are towards the end here. So getting to some discussion points. Uh, so thank you for bearing with me and, and um, um, allowing me to talk through that. I know it was a, a bit to go through. Um, but, you know, we really are looking for some direction on the vignette areas. We want to talk through that a little bit more this evening. Uh, and we want to discuss and agree all the conflicting or mixed support amenities. So we want to make sure that there's some support there moving this forward in how we're showing it this evening. Uh, I don't need to go through them, but we, we will probably, you know, have some discussion on each one of those. Um, so, so we'll leave it for that time. Um, and uh, there's some other considerations that we really need to think about as well this evening. Um, and that is that any expansion outside the initial footprint of the existing amenities will have some impacts to those ESHA buffers. And, and those ESHA buffers, you know, do have some things that we'd have to go through and process. Uh, the team biologist that we have on our team, uh, RINCON, We'll complete a, an additional biological evaluation based on the recommended improvements. So that's something to keep in mind, um, you know, that we are keeping that as a core to this. Um, and some of those examples of the possible mitigation measures and ESHA considerations may include the um, uh, bird surveys that are needed out there, a monarch survey, um, looking at if we are replacing any trees and removals, um, you know, what, what that would entail um, as far as mitigating for that. Um, there is, again, one that we were looking at for that new entrance road going into the maintenance facility, so there might be some mitigation to replace that, that tree or series of trees there. Um, and again, with that additional tree plantings, um, some restrictions on the time of day and, 
and uh, year, you know, for work. So that's something that we would uh, go through in this process as well, making sure that we're being um, prudent to that process there and uh, considerate. Uh, and then really having an arborist on site for any of the trimmings um, and the grading work that um, that's needed out there. So, all right, with that, I think I'll turn it over to discussion. Uh, we do want to talk about some next steps um, after this process. We will be refining this master plan with uh, the discussion this evening. And then we want to come back to uh, the city council really in February or March to present the draft master plan based on the input that we hear from you. Thank you very much, Mr. Wilkins. Anything else you'd like to say, Ms. Plummer, before we uh, seek um, commission questions? Uh, thank you. Chair Williams, um, I just did want to share that we did receive some public comment in writing for this topic, and that information has been shared with the commission as well as uh, posted online associated to this item and is included here in council chambers uh, for the public to view as well. Um, there were three, I believe, that uh, wrote in, and the commission has received all of those. Thank you very much, Ms. Plummer. All right. Now I welcome... Commissioner, questions? Yes, we will start with you, Commissioner Replogel Turrington. Hi, I just have a clarification question. Um, you mentioned that what you were presenting tonight was focused on the residents of Goleta. Was that looked at by zip code or actual sit Goleta City? So that was looked at by uh, the residents, uh, or oh, I should say the survey participants input. Um, there was a an, or a question there asking if they're a resident of Goleta. So, okay. so we use that as a mechanism to filter that. Great, because there was discussion previously when we were dividing it by zip code. So thank you yes. so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Commissioner Replicle. Yes, Commissioner Hughes. Hi, I just want to say um, thank you for sharing everything. The progress looks amazing so far. Um, I know that the fitness trails you mentioned were conflicting and that they support ADA access. And I was just wondering that in the case that fitness trails aren't implemented, um, are there any major components of the park that currently do support ADA access? Uh, that's a really good question. And um, there are some areas that have some ADA access. We do need to look at that a little bit closer into this next step. Um, we do know that there are some potential grade issues because of the data of this park. Um, it does, you know, some of those improvements are um, previous to the ADA requirements. So, you know, and then the soft surface trails, you know, there's maintenance considerations with that relative to ADA. So that's really where hard surface trails have the ability long-term to provide more ADA access there. Um, so with that, you know, the fitness trail is an opportunity to, to do both. Um, but you know we can explore it um, in other areas as well. Let, let me just add <clears throat> that uh, on an ADA trail, we usually like to use the term a soft surface, a firm surface, and a hard surface. So a hard surface is concrete or asphalt. A soft surface is natural soil or natural DG, but the, the firm surface is what's called compacted and, and emulsified DG, which is completely ADA compatible. So there are ways of making uh, very natural looking trails, ADA compatible. It, it, it's a lower cost than asphalt and um, concrete to start with, but there are some maintenance associated with that. When you get a really wet condition over a long period of time, you'll, you'll see that firmness kind of go down and you have to kind of 
re, uh, regrade a little bit of the DG, but there are ways of making that work. One of the big things from ADA standpoint is the cross pitch of the pathway itself. So most of your um, trails are well under a 5% or an 8% grade uh, as you move along the trail, but the, the they're very tight these days on not having more than a 2% cross pitch to it. And that's where you probably get into the most trouble on most of your existing firm surface trails that are should be considered to be ADA accessible, but the pitch is just too great for the newer standards. Thank you. This is a nice flat park, so that should not be a problem. Uh, Commissioner Hugh, any other questions? That was it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, Commissioner Jenkins. Um, moving forward, there were some ambiguous. Vice Chair Jenkins, could you please turn your microphone on? Thank you. Um, moving forward, uh, there were some ambiguous uh, areas and uh, wanted to bring those up so as we move forward to look at what's going to be in the final re report. Okay. And um, two salient points that come to mind is a pump track. Mm -hmm. uh, what is the feasibility of actually putting a pump track in the park versus some other alternative space that might be available in our Goleta Park system. Mm -hmm. um, and to the, the second restroom, uh, what are the implications of that? Um, we've heard nothing about costs, and I know that's a big factor to install and maintain and uh, keep it up. Uh, that's a pretty important thing. And then the other thing is the uh, playground <coughs> equipment, whether it's what is recommended, uh, the ADA, the, the natural equipment, the uh, two age groups, mm -hmm. uh, uh, some of that, all of that, um, that's going to be in your final report, and I thought if we heard from you what your thoughts are, that might help us uh, move, move forward with this. Um, and, and also the garden areas. What mm -hmm. uh, is actually recommended? There, there were several different options, and um, sometimes too many options are overwhelming to me. <laughs> and they're going to have to be distilled and it might uh, be helpful to get your thoughts mm -hmm. on how we're how we might go about distilling some of the options for the, the gardens. Well, maybe Matt, we should start off with the gardens themselves, uh, since that's the last part of the question. Um, the gardens really need to be mostly determined on the actual microclimate of that area, or the small. Sometimes they call it ecotone or the smaller ecosystem of that area. So certainly the Catalina uh, Channel Islands based native material are fine down at that south end. The pollinator garden and some of the more uh, natural areas uh, do need more sunshine. So that's why we have them at that southern edge where there's not much tree canopy around there. And a lot of the other gardens that are actually up in the redwood groves are obviously gonna be 
um, the design of those have to take into account a heavy shade condition and uh, to try to be part of that redwood um, natural system itself. I don't know if there's anything else on the gardens there, Matt, that you want to jump on? No, I think, I think that's a good highlighting point there, Mike, and, and I appreciate that the series of comments there, uh, Chair Jenkins. Um, and I, I want to build on that, that really there's the opportunity in this park, I think, to celebrate what's there today. Um, a lot of those plantings are, are existing. We're looking at enhancing some areas. Um, the pollinator garden would be the one that would be an additional. So, um, so I think, you know, with a lot of the input that we received, it was heavily supported on some of these garden amenities. And, and we certainly see it as an opportunity with the proximity to the school um, to have some of these educational elements that really celebrates the bones of the park again, um, primarily the redwoods, but then also some pollinator features, the Channel Island um, plantings that occur and are existing there today. So some of those things. Um, but we can certainly look at distilling that, um, you know, and maybe simplifying it or delineating those a little bit more. That could be something we look into. And then on the playground equipment itself, um, ADA really requires you, whether or not you're putting in something new or, or not, to always remove barriers in public facilities. So um, one of the other tenets of um, ADA, though, is that not every facility has to be made ADA accessible, but every experience has to be made ADA accessible. So if you have a set of swings that are six swings, you just got to make sure that one of them is ADA accessible, including wheelchair access. Um, then it, it's important to also note that there's a difference between ADA minimum requirements, which you're obligated to meet, and what's really referred to as universal access, where you go a step further. You try to look at not only the ADA standards, but looking at a variety of different capabilities, whether it's physical challenges or sensory challenges. Uh, that can occur. And so it's really going and taking the other senses into account too. Um, you have some folks with autism and others that that really um, do respond well to different types of uh, stimuli. And then on top of that, if a person like a blind person, they have extremely good sense of smell and sound. And so you have to look at all the senses that can be taken into account. So it's it does go beyond ADA by itself. I think in, in terms of um, the vignettes and how that could actually work, um, you could keep the existing playground in its current location as long as everything else you built around it provided similar experiences with the ADA access. So it doesn't necessarily mean you have to tear down what you have. Um, but um, so in one of our cases, the broader universal access or the uh, all, all ages and all abilities type playground can be built around that. Uh, and you're not really required to, to do go beyond the ADA requirements, but it is a trend in a lot of cities to provide um, all of these universal access playgrounds. Um, um, and a lot of cities are doing it now. So I think it is you know, a combination of looking at the ADA requirements, but also considering the desire to do it, go a little bit further than that for all abilities uh, playground. Uh, hopefully that hit on most of those topics that you're asking about. If not, please uh, re-ask any part of that question. The other was the restrooms, uh, the extra oh, yeah, restroom yeah. that was proposed. Uh, what are yeah. the pluses and minuses of that? Um, looking at budgetary issues, um, staffing, 
access uh, two two restrooms, one. What's yeah, what I'll, say I'll, you? I'll let Mark uh, respond to that one. That's a great question. <clears throat> um, I think part of it is is you have a temporary condition out there right now that's already costing you. Um, so it's trying to understand um, what are the trade-offs between a permanent solution that probably has a more routine maintenance to it um, than the temporary solution um, that is out there today and understanding in the longer term um, how those two will balance out. Um, there's still some needing to look at utilities and understand connections and things of that nature. Um, so not having a full sense of the capital cost yet on maybe what that second restroom would take with it. Um, but it's definitely some trade-offs. Um, you know, trying to understand right now, it's not that one restroom is working for you. You're already having to put out a temporary solution then to accommodate um, something up near the playground. So it's really understanding what do you want to do longer term. Um, I did want to come back to your playground question on cost, just because I happen to be working on another project where we're going through the same exercise. Um, so for some of the two to five and then five to 12, those two different groups, um, some of the playgrounds installed in the resilient surfacing um, can range anywhere from $300,000 package to a $750,000 package. So um, there can be a, a lot of variability depending on what uh, level, scale, um, combination of features you want to look at that. So that's not an easy question. That really becomes back to a capital budgetary of understanding, you know, for the project as a whole going forward, do we have a sense of a scale of budget that we're trying to work within? And then we can identify appropriate features that can fit into that. And if, if I could add um, one other part to the, the bathroom question. Um, currently, the size and number of stalls you have for the acres that you have on park it's really under bath, you know, it's lower than what you would normally have in a park in terms of the number of stalls available. So that's part of the question there. And, you know, right now the porta potties are providing you with some additional stuff like Mark had mentioned, providing you with some additional capacity. So um, the other thing on the new playground, I mean, the new um, restroom is that typically those can be made as pre-manufactured restrooms. Uh, and that the one that we showed in the picture was. So you can you sometimes get those somewhere between five hundred and seven hundred thousand dollars for all the plumbing and everything on that. Whereas a, a standard construction built one generally goes over a million uh, in cost. So that's kind of the range on that. And there's also a big change in philosophy of having a, a group bathroom in the sense that you go into a, an area where multiple people can be versus the individual doors that go into just one one uh, toilet and those can typically be unisex so that you get a better balanced use of it if you got some pee conditions and women's bathrooms are always under uh, under capacity I mean over capacity and uh, when you usually have unisex bathrooms if you have instead of making just women wait in the line uh, it should be anyone can go into either of those ones to make them work um, so the newer bathrooms do bring things up to not only code but also to the latest trends in public safety and equity as well as uh, capacity, so. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Singleton. I, I did wanna mention for the commission and the members of the public, an example of a restroom facility that Mr. Singleton mentioned is the restroom at Johnny Wallace Park. Uh, we have four restroom facilities that are outfitted with toilets, urinals, sinks, and baby changing stations. So a mom can take all of her kids and anybody else with her into that one space and she has them all together under her watchful eye. 
and um, so they they are um, very handy to have at times. But that's an example uh, looking at what what has been presented here tonight. That's we what we have currently in one of our parks. Thank you. All right, Commissioner Furia. Uh, thanks. I want to start by saying there's also another alternative to bathroom use that is currently happening with toddlers and young children in that area. So having a, a real bathroom will probably mitigate some other <laughs> destructive tendencies. Um, but that's that's just a, a funny aside. But it is right near where the kids play, and so they don't they can't often make it the half mile to the existing to toilet structure. So um, my question is actually, I think during the I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sick right now. I'm not taking my mask off. I don't want to get anybody else sick. I will try to slow down and enunciate if that'll help. Um, my question is, uh, for the survey, I believe you had some other demographic questions um, along the survey beyond where people live, so outside the Goleta question. So I was wondering if you did an analysis for those extended demographic questions and, and whether or not there were trends for what people wanted based on those demographics and how those then match to the demographics of our, our city. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, thanks for bringing that back up. And, um, you know, we did really look at the data uh, closely. We know that it's also something that, you know, just helps to supplement this process, um, but it is good to look at it from different um, stratas of the data. So one thing that we noticed um, was that with the families uh, within Goleta, that there was a lot more support for playgrounds, a lot more support for the pump track um, and some of those amenities. Um, we then looked at another group of uh, folks that are close to the park uh, within a quarter mile or half mile to, to analyze that data. Um, we did see kind of a mix there of some support for all the playground amenities, um, but there was a lot more support there for the general park improvements um, and less support for uh, the pump track. And then we looked at um, other demographics of age, uh, looking at the 65 older population, a lot less support for the pump track in that case, um, and a bit more support for the natural amenities, general park improvements. So it, it's, I think it's good as, as far as this uh, democratic process to look at that. Um, but again, we really wanna hear from all the different um, you know, sections of the community and have that dialogue of what's appropriate in the park. Um, again, looking at the different vignette areas. And so, so we do look at it, I think it's, it's, it's helpful. I was, I was definitely, uh, as you would say, nerding out with some of the data, but <laughs> it, it did help to see that, so. Thank you. Any other questions, Commissioner Furia? Commissioner Walton? Uh, yes, I also wanna second how much we appreciate that presentation, it was very thorough. And um, there's a lot for us to consider here. So I'm wondering um, how to best make this easy for us to make a decision. This is a conceptual plan, and we want to be prepared for the next 30 years to serve our community. Does that mean that there are going to be stages of impl implementation? Like perhaps there are things that we'll do in year five, and then year 10, year 15, or something like that? And is that something that we should consider when we're ranking and making these decisions? Like, for example, um, we're kind of either or on the pump, the community chose to be mm -hmm. on the pump track. So I'm wondering, is that something that we could say, let's move it back to like maybe year five or year something and give us more time to develop that idea? Maybe there might be other things, but just in general, are we, are we voting on things that will be going in to act into implement implementation in stages? Mm -hmm. And if you could help us have some guidelines with that, 
I think that's thank really you. a question for staff. Yeah. Yes, that's thank you. Thank you, Chair Williams. Uh, Commissioner Walton um, and members of the commission, throughout this process, the important component was to create a master plan so we can have one CEQA analysis done on anything that we're putting into that park, as well with a finished plan that allows us to uh, look at alternate funding opportunities because it's already in there. Ironically, one came across my desk and Mr. Thompson's desk this week. And as we look at the draft plan, both Mr. Thompson and I became very elated that it looks like we fit very well. So we will be making a recommendation to apply for this grant. Um, additionally, it'll all come down to funding. And um, what we've asked the consultants to do as they're finished deliverable when we go to council with a final draft is to let council know, here is our cost estimate very rough approximate to do the whole park, but we could put it into phases. We've asked them to look at breaking it down to two to three phases and how that best would work. Um, because we have to address um, the ADA deficiencies in any path of travel, we can't, which started this whole project back in 2020, we can't just improve the field because we have ADA deficiencies in the parking lot by the bathroom on the walkways to the field. So all of those are our touch points. So we're leaving it up to the landscape designers to tell us what makes sense in breaking off the piece of the puzzle and um, allow the council to make that determination as to whether we will be funding the entire project or uh, going out into phases one, two, and th possibly three, or if they want to put it on a back burner, look for funding and know that we do have um, we do have have a plan that we will prevent us from having to do this entire process all over again, and we can go right into uh, that process. So our hope is that we're going to move along, have an adopted plan, and then hopefully go right into construction documents with either the first phase or the whole park. That's uh, we want to see this moving on. The the community has already been contributing input for the last two and a half years, so. Uh, we're excited and, and we're hoping that that's hopeful and we're hoping we'll be successful in that grant process as well. And well, having that approved master plan is really beneficial for us. Okay. That was a very good question. Yeah. And I do think the question of staging then once it's in the master plan, because our, our job now is to recommend something to the city council um, for the master plan. Can come back to the commission. We can talk about phases. Um, okay. Madam Chair, helpful. if I can just add a little bit yes. on the amenity question that was in there on the pump track, because I don't believe we actually answered Commissioner Jenkins' question well when he asked it earlier. Um, is there space for a significant pump track within the park? No. Um, it would be, as Matt described it, a smaller entry-level pump track. Um, and it would it feel completely in character with the other pieces of elements that are in the park? Probably not really well. Um, so one of those decisions is, is that an activity that needs to be in the master plan or not? Um, because from an environmental review standpoint, that may be a significant activity difference um, of understanding um, how we would analyze then the impacts. Um, if we go from the all-user um, playground or the nature play elements, those are low on the impact side of it. So distributing those throughout the park, 
probably isn't going to make a big difference if we put it all in one area or we scatter it around a little bit. The pump track is something there that we need to come to a conclusion on, on figuring out how to move that part forward. Thank you, Mr. Carpenter. Did I help you with your earlier question? You, you did clarify it. Thank, Thank you. you for that Thank clarification. Commissioner, um, no. uh, Commissioner Walter, do you have any other questions? Okay, I have some questions. I see there are commissioners who want to ask more questions, but I'll go ahead and take my turn right now. Um, my first question is, can you just remind the commission how many acres are in this park? That's a good question. That's a good test question. Uh, I want to say it's closer to five acres. I can't I can't quite recall. It might be five to seven acres. I'd have to go back to our... our Mr. Thompson, do you know the that. answer to that question? Mm -hmm. I'll let you know. Thank you. Okay, my second question is, with respect to um, the current restroom, mm -hmm. um, would it be possible to refurbish that, to remodel that? We've all, I think, done a bathroom remodel sometime in our life, um, to add more bathroom stalls and or some of the other amenities? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. It was something that we considered as well. Um, I think if you were to expand it, uh, it would really uh, resolve the issue of proximity to the playground. Um, so that's that's one thing that we talked about a little bit with staff and we, we thought that, you know, uh, adding another restroom close to the playground would be um, a little bit more suitable there. You could expand it. Um, there are additional costs and measures to that. Um, usually when you have a completed shell to a restroom, it's almost more expensive to do a lot more um, add-on than, than a demo and, and replacement. I'm talking about not changing the footprint, mm. but refurbishing it inside to add more um, mm. stalls and other amenities. You and you if you don't, yes. Yeah, you might be able to get uh, one additional stall in each of them, but that's, you know, for the most part, that they're always pretty tight on that. Um, you couldn't easily change it to the uh, one person or group and one stall for a unisex. That's impossible to to convert the other one like that. But um, to get more capacity out of the existing one, I would imagine, you know, one additional stall would be the most uh, that you could get out of that. So that's not really addressing the shortage and overall need, but... Um, so one additional stall for period or for male, one additional male, one additional female? I would think that you might be able to squeeze it one additional for male and one additional for okay, female. So two additional. Okay, thank you. Uh, Mr. Thompson? Chair Williams, uh, the acreage of the park is 11.1 .1 acres. Okay, 11.1 .1 acres. And um, since, since Mr. Thompson, you seem good with numbers today, uh, a, community, <laughs> a community member said that the Distance, they estimated the distance between the proposed uh, possible new restroom and the existing restroom is 150 yards. Does that sound about right? Or can someone else answer that? Is it 150 yards that we're talking about? Mm, that I sounds would. about right. Okay, 150 yards. Okay. All right, thank you very much. Um, and so, let's see. So the Trash enclosure. Um, ESHA issues associated with that? That's the one tree removal issue? Uh, Chair Williams, the uh, ESHA impact to that would be uh, constructing uh, outside of the footprint or something new within the ESHA buffer okay. in that area. And how big of a footprint would that have? 
there's a similar structure at Johnny Wallace Park that you don't even notice really because it's at the very end of the parking lot. So it's enough to hold the um, trash bins, that the larger bins that come for dumping. Oh, so it's the larger bins that come for dumping. It is not a trash enclosure because I know I think a public member said, oh, good, we could put our recycles there and so forth. It's not really meant for public use. That's meant for... It's um, meant for park use, for, for park use. So users could take their trash if they had excess trash and put it in the dumpsters or they would, that's where our, oh, I'll deter to Mr. Thompson. Yes, Mr. Thompson. So Chair Williams, the way that we operate um, trash services and recycling services at the park currently is we have individual cans, the gray for regular trash, blue for recycling right. materials. Those are uh, basically allotted for each of the group picnic areas and then individual cans at key locations. And then we have our staff or contract staff collect those and then compile them at a dumpster. And that's how our trash uh, service provider Marburg then drives into the park, empties those dumpsters on a weekly basis. So to clarify, the public wouldn't put their trash in. Correct. We this. keep the dumpsters locked. And so those are locked 24 seven. Otherwise we end up getting household trash, um, people, right. you know, okay. illegal dumping essentially. Thank you. And we're trying to keep that to a minimum. Okay, very good, thank you. Um, <clears throat> so, let's see. Uh, with respect to playgrounds, so we've got the existing footprint of the playground. Popular playground, very popular. Could, within that footprint, um, we add some all abilities features within that footprint? Yeah, as uh, uh, Mr. Singleton mentioned earlier, there is the possibility within the footprint of the playground to expand that and have some uh, um, all abilities play features. However, when you're looking at the fall zones for these play features, uh, that does become a little bit restricting. Um, it would warrant a bit more um, you know, research on our end to see what could fit um, when you're really looking at, uh, again, a tot lot, two to five, getting something that's appropriately sized um, and then likewise from the five to 12. It will become a little bit tighter. Um, on some of the exhibits, we did have some dash lines on there for the, the fall zones. However, that equipment wasn't selected. So when we get the right equipment, that's when we'll have a, a better understanding. But we could stay within the existing footprint. It's possible. Okay, yes. thank you. Um, let's see. Chair Williams, for clarification, yes. if we were to stay within the existing footprint, we would also have to remove some of the existing features. So it would be pulling out existing features and then replacing them potentially with something that could be all-inclusive. Well, I mean, but you could have some of the existing features and add some all-inclusive. It doesn't have to be like all or nothing, right? Yes, but to Mr. Wilkins' point um, with uh, approaches in the fall zones and the um, accommodations for wheelchairs and some of the other disabilities, there would be, um, it wouldn't be replace one for one, it might be take out to replace with one, depending again on what those features are. And we're, we're not selecting features this evening, just concepts. Right. I understand. Okay, thank you. Um, I noted in the materials, you're talking about an eight foot wide running path. Um, eight foot's pretty big. Um, and the notion was that maintenance vehicles could go on that. Correct. Um, if, could it be narrower? <laughs> Could it be more like six feet? Yeah, what, what we like to do 
in park design is really look at um, your your primary paths, secondary paths, and some of these tertiary paths. So we're looking at this primary path as your main you know, avenue through the park, per se. Um, with that, with the maintenance needs, uh, that is something that would uh, behoove us to maybe look at something, again, that's a hard surface path. Uh, however, you could do a soft surface or firm surface path, as Mike was um, defining those different things. What we've done as well is uh, we've looked at you know, where I'm you I'm really have discussing width, not surface touch. I understand the surface touch, but could you do a six-foot wide path and meet the needs uh, as opposed to eight foot? So I was, I was getting to a couple of design solutions to okay. accommodate that. There there are some possibilities to look at where you look at just where the, the wheels may be of, of making that concrete. Um, they also have other type of surface treatments that you can consider, um, kind of grass paved cells and things like that. So there's other ways to make it look more natural but have it sustain uh, the length of time there. Could you do six feet instead of eight feet? Would you like that? Where you want to have maintenance vehicle access as well, no, six feet wouldn't work. If you have areas where you're not having maintenance vehicle access, then a narrower tread could work to accommodate just the fitness use. I would maybe defer to Mr. Thompson on what the maintenance uh, needs are and access requirements on that. Chair Williams, one of the um, key elements in the proposed master plan and the draft master plan is having a separate maintenance vehicle access uh, driveway from La Patera into the park. And there are a couple considerations for us from the maintenance side. We have uh, heavy equipment, uh, light equipment that needs to come in on a trailer. And these are items like our, our turf mowers. Uh, if we need to get in uh, tree uh, trimming equipment, which occurs on a regular basis, um, we'd like to have a separate entrance uh, for that. Uh, separate from the general public and park users. In terms of our regular equipment that's out at the park daily or, or weekly, we are switching to um, uh, electric fleet, mm -hmm. and particularly at Stowe Grove, because it's 11.1 .1 acres, it's a large site, we try to keep our uh, pickup trucks and vehicles, our, our street legal vehicles, out of the park and then rely on a smaller um, service vehicles such as a electric cart or in this case currently we have a gas-powered cart um, I don't from a, a, a maintenance manager perspective we don't have a need to have a network of pathways that are designed to accommodate maintenance vehicles um, we take great care in trying to drive in areas that are dry or out of the way and we don't need a, a paved surface or even a soft surface that's designed to accommodate vehicles. So that the running path that runs on the east side, the running walking that goes along the whole east side, more or less, I think that was discussed in the plan as being eight feet wide to accommodate maintenance vehicles. Do you need eight feet along that whole, basically, east edge running path? Um, in terms of vehicle access, we do need a minimum 10 foot wide vehicular access way and that doesn't mean a paved access way we just need a clear access way okay. so that means if we're going to talk about our future planting plan when we're placing trees on on the site we're not going to plant trees to limit our access to either the northern field or to get uh, tree equipment in there but in, uh, in to be clear we don't need a 
a paved surface to accommodate maintenance vehicles. You just need it cleared. Correct. Okay. Yep. Um, and this hiking, is running from a hiking and running standpoint, six feet's fine. Even four feet, you could get away with. We're not trying to accommodate um, any type of a vehicle on that. It's no problem coming down smaller in size. Uh, even if you have, um, you know, like an electric cart on it, if you wanted to use that in the future, it needs to be firm enough, but it doesn't have to be concrete. So I think, you know, there should be some real direction here that we get about whether or not any of these things are paved or asphalt uh, with concrete or asphalt, or whether or not you just want a very heavily compacted, more natural service like DG or not. So uh, even vehicles can go on those, but again, that that's where you might end up getting some damage from a vehicle if it was wet right. and would no longer meet ADA requirements if it was rutted and you'd have to spend a little bit of time on doing that. So uh, from an ADA standpoint, a four foot wide pathway that was decomposed granite, compacted and emulsified would still work as ADA. Um, so yeah, the eight foot was only being driven by maintenance vehicle requirements. And if that's not gonna be a requirement, then we can certainly reduce the width yeah. of that. Terrific, thank you. Um, those are my questions. Uh, Commissioner Jenkins? Um, one of the things I forgot to ask about is the caretaker house. Mm -hmm. And what are the recommendations for <clears throat> that uh, facility? Yes, um, thank you, Chair Jenkins. There's been multiple proposals. And if you could, again, distill it down uh, from the survey and other inputs, if you might have gotten. Vice Chair Jenkins, as mentioned at previous meetings and at the workshops, um, the caretaker facility tonight, we're just asking if that is something that um, the commission um, would support. I believe it was a high, there was a high interest, so it's currently in the plan that um, we would want to go in and refurbish that area. Exactly what it would become is we still have a long way to go. Uh, we are down two separate paths as staff right now. One is trying to determine if a caretaker is possible at that location as a staff person. So we're working through that to see if that's an option and then council would make that determination. Um, and then the other path we're looking at is working with the Stowe family because the current lease agreement calls it out as a caretaker property and they said that they would be open to discussing the opportunity to make it a mixed use. So in this plan, it is proposed as a mixed use um, so that a smaller space within the footprint of the caretaker space uh, could be used as like a, a gathering space for an educational opportunity or a small classroom or a small meeting room, um, just some type of community benefit space. Uh, but we have a lot of work on that. It's just in the plan right now with the high support we've received to have it refurbished and then that determination depending the outcomes of the other work that Mr. Thompson and I are doing, we'll uh, fine tune that as we get into construction documents. Thank you. All right, and I think uh, the final commission questions, nope, we have two, which is fine. There's, this, is a, this is a big, um, a lot of issues in front of us. All right, uh, Commissioner Replico Purrington. Thank you. Um, uh, I wanna thank, uh, Vice Chair Jenkins for his question about the pump track earlier. And again, I don't know if we're gonna even talk about this tonight, but he mentioned, is there another space in Goleta where we've considered this? Because the pump track seems to be a little polarizing. So that's one, I have two things. So I don't know if we wanna talk about that right now or not. 
Um, thank you, Commissioner Replicle Purinton. Uh, the pump track, uh, we are seeing an increase in desire and an increase in pump tracks coming up um, all throughout uh, our area in California and in other states. It is a growing fast trend um, to have them put in, whether it's small, a small one for beginners as proposed here, uh, which gives children the opportunity to be on a pathway that is away from traffic and other obstacles as they learn how to be a, a little creative on their, their bicycles. Um, and we have, Mr. Um, Thompson and I have looked at a, a multitude of other locations in Goleta and uh, trying to see if there's a better place that something would fit. Uh, we are also working with some of the interest group members of our community to see what their thoughts are. And at uh, this time, we don't have a decision for you, but we can share with you that um, there are some very interested young people who are starting to create their own pump tracks in spaces where there should not be pump tracks. So uh, we want to um, see what we can do about that and, and that's, we're working on that. So again, another work effort that's, that's a sidebar to this project um, because in case it doesn't quite fit in this location, um, but again, that's what's proposed as a very beginning, basic level, small, similar to the small uh, uh, skate park that we have at Johnny Wallace. We know we have a demand for something more, but at least we have something for the beginners and, and we can grow. Thank you, that's very good information, knowing that uh, some people are creating it on their own. <laughs> um, my second point is, and again, I don't know, I know we're not getting to, into specifics, but um, Mr. Carpenter offered a wide range in the cost of equipment, I believe 300,000 to 750,000. And personally, I think all access is awesome. And I just want to throw this out I believe there would be possibilities for grants because it is a trend and it is extremely important to be inclusive. So that was my two cents there. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to do um, chair prerogative. I'm going to just ask one quick question about the pump track. Um, because I was at the workshop, I did not do the survey online. And so did the survey online make it clear that the pump track under consideration would be a very small, beginner, tiny little pump track? Is that what the public was voting on? We didn't have uh, a clear definition of the size. However, it was graphically depicted. Um, so there could be that disclaimer in there that um, you know that was a confusion on the size and scale and uh, ability that that could accommodate within the park. Clearly. The pictures that we actually showed as samples uh, wouldn't call them very smaller. Um, and as a matter of fact, pump tracks are functional and usable that you can fit in your backyard. Right. So it doesn't make them unusable, unusable uh, but it does mean that you're going to have less capacity with it. So, um, and the other thing to keep in mind, it's not just kids. Uh, it's actually a very good form of exercise because you don't really pedal. You use your shoulders and arms to pump as you get over each little um, rut. And so there's a lot of adults that actually do like to do that as well. You can use a mountain bike on it as well. A lot of them actually are made where you don't have a seat. So you never sit down. You have to continue to pump to get back. So um, they can be very small. They can fit in a, in a, back, a backyard. If, it's, if we were talking about a, um, um, a motocross or I should say a, a BMX, a skills course and a mountain biking um, track and a pump track, 
yes, that takes up a lot more space. But what we're talking about in terms of a pump track, they can be the size that we've shown, I would not call a super small one. I would say it's a small to moderate in size. <clears throat> yeah, thanks for defining that. And, and our team has done uh, design of some pump tracks as well. Uh, there's a few examples that we can show. And we did a study throughout California on, on size uh, relative to other pump tracks. Um, so, so it's not in the smallest category, um, but there is that uh, disclaimer that it um, could accommodate more uses, let's say. But would you agree with Ms. Plummer's characterization that this would be a beginner's small pump track? Yes, and okay. the way that we've presented it this evening is that really uh, with the two loops, you're looking at beginners and then potentially one that could have a little bit more moderate, um, you know, intermediate, uh, mm -hmm. you know, type of skill range to it. So there's, there's the ability of mixing the skills, but that is um, another safety concern. You don't necessarily want to uh, mix the skill levels too drastically. Right, exactly. Okay, Commissioner Hugh. Um, I just had one more clarifying question about the pump tracks. So I was just wondering what is like the main demographic wanting a pump track and would like the proposed beginner level pump track suit that demographic? So for example, if more teens who are experienced pump track users um, are requesting the pump track, then would that beginner level tracks um, suit them? And would it address like the situation of them trying to build their own pump tracks in maybe not so um, appropriate places? That's a, that's a great question. What we'd like to advise in this particular case is actually reaching out to stakeholders if there's a strong demand for that, which, which we're sensing. And you know, it, there's still some discussion on if this park is the appropriate location. But we would probably want to go to that specific user group um, to, to really vet out some of those discussion items. It would be the prudent thing to do, obviously, to, to get a little bit more input um, so that we could design it more adequately to the needs of the community. Just keep in mind, since these are pretty new things, there's not a lot of advanced users. It, most people are beginners on this. So the, the realities are that uh, for a good percentage of your population, it would be satisfactory. However, it's not going to make any competitive um, event type of pump tracks. That's something that would be a much larger facility in another area and would not be appropriate in this park at all. So it's really, I think if you talk about this as being a beginner and intermediate, that's probably the demographic and the skill level. And again, I would say from small kids that are really learning to ride bikes up to adults are possible, but there's a lot in the teen category that would fit in there too. And they quickly become, you know, if you, if you say there's a beginner's course and an intermediate course, most teenagers would never start on the beginner course. Oh, I'm much better than that. So they would immediately go to the intermediate course. Thank you. All right, I do believe it is time um, to invite the public to um, make your comments. And uh, let's see who we have here. We'll begin here with um, Ms. Paulette Lex or Lay. Thank you. You can begin by stating your name and spelling it for the Paulette record. Paulette Logia, M-O-G-G-I-A. Thank you. Lay, L-E-Y. Thank you. Commissioner Representative Golita and the three M's, Matt, Mike, and Matt. I forget. Mark. Mark. <laughs> um, I, 
have personally seen people bring their trash, workers unload their back of their trucks and put cardboard and stuff and try and squeeze it. Anyway, uh, just a note. Uh, I'll stick to my writing. In lieu of the fact that the child-sized picnic table was stolen, I asked the city to replace it in another mount and mounted in cement. I also asked that the balance beam be replaced and installed correctly with a wide part toward the top. Uh, it only has to be about six to eight inches off the ground to be a challenge and not a danger, unlike some bicycle things. <clears throat> this uh, tot lot that I built in 1975 is adjacent to La Patera Lane and was established by the mothers of Stowe Park who raised about 150 bucks through Tupperware parties and stuff and bought the lumber and, and it was in 1975, as I said. I also had Dos Pueblos High School Woodshop build the tables and the balance beam and I picked out the lumber for the benches. How much more time do I have? Oh, lots. How much? Keep going? Yeah. Okay. Um, I had a volunteer architect draw up the plans. I called it a tot lot, and it had a sandbox boat. It had a balance beam, which was taken out without any reason. Uh, it had three horse swings, which every little person loved. And that was a, seemed uh, as a danger, I guess. And it was replaced by two rubber swings. Uh, it had a adult-sized picnic table and a small-sized picnic table, and somebody came in and broke the chains. Anyway, uh, I did all this because I was at Tucker's Grove with a group of women and small children, and looking at that tall slide just scared the out of me. And there was nothing in Goleta at that time. Thank you. Thank you so much. You still have one minute, ma'am. Ma'am? Paulette? You still have one minute. It's just to, just to give you a heads up. Uh, I don't think that the pump track is a good idea. Uh, it, just, it just brings too much speed and noise. And I'm a biker. I still ride my bike, and I'm 82 years old. So I did this when I was 35. And I had a two-year-old daughter. I have a lovely picture of her there if you'd like to see it. And a seven-year-old son. Um, but I don't think that this natured blessing that we have is suitable for any kind of that pump park. And I think sh kids should be able to go over to the other bathroom and not cost us $30,000 for another one.
thank you again. Thank you very much, and thank you for your contributions to Stilgo's talk. Mr. Mendoza, anyone else uh, currently present? Would anyone who didn't fill out a green card like to? Yes, come on up. No, no, well, yeah. Well, I mean, you can testify first and fill that out later. <laughs> Hello, my name is uh, Mary Widener. I'm a 15-year resident, actually a 35-year resident of Goleta, but 15 years living on La Patera across from the park, and it's a beloved park. Um, I'm really happy with the presentation and the direction of this, um, as we've heard from others, and the presentations, just preserving the natural nature of this park is very important. Um, just wanted to bring in a couple highlights that um, jumped out at me tonight, which is, I strongly believe, um, as someone who has lots of nieces and nephews visit me and spends a lot of time at the playground, that a bathroom is necessary closer to that playground. I just think it's important. I know it's expensive, but I think it's important. Um, also, as someone who walks through the parking lot by the maintenance route often, um, it's unsafe for kids, and we definitely need a new road. Um, it's hard to sacrifice trees for that, but it's really necessary to keep those big trucks out of the walkway of people going from the parking lot to the playground. Um, the playground as well, um, it, it is in need of a refurbishment. And I'm not sure that just picking and choosing is necessarily the appropriate thing. Um, some of the playground is, it's a bit old school. And I will also say that the distance between the swings and the others you can't necessarily be on one side as a parent or guardians and see the whole thing. So there needs to be a refurbishment and some, um, some change to that. Um, and the other comment I will make is I love the park as it is. I love the natural way of it. And I understand the need for concrete and some ADA improvements. But as much as we can keep to the DG or what they call the firm surface, um, and we wouldn't be making a jokes about rain. Um, we wouldn't be having a lot of rain or distortion of that, except for the year we've just had. But um, again, I think a lot of us neighbors feel strongly about limiting the concrete and sort of the paving over of just that beautiful space. Um, and my last comment is I was firmly opposed to the pump track before tonight, but I am a little more open to it and understand the need, um, especially for young kids to have a place to go and a place to play. So I think there is a need for it. I think my only comment now would be that in the priorities of things, that there be more focus on the things that directly affect the users, which is the bathrooms first, maybe the caretaker, and then have that be a lower priority relative to funding that's available. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Anyone else here who would like to testify? All right, Mr. Mendoza, can you please see if anyone would like to testify who's online? Yes, if there are any members of the public wishing to speak on this item, please use the raise hand icon and I will call on you. Uh, we do have one hand raised, Margaret Granger. I will go ahead and unmute you on our end. Uh, please go ahead and unmute you on your end and you may begin talking. Hi, thanks everyone. It's Margaret Granger. Um, I, uh, like Mary, my neighbor, have lived here for almost 15 years. Um, in the neighborhood directly across from the park, and I have lived in Goleta for 35 years. I really appreciate everything that
that you're doing and the extent to which you are giving the public the opportunity to speak about um, the park, because it is very a very beloved space. Um, I just had two things I wanted to talk about very in, within my time, and that is that I understand that pump tracks are also used by skateboarders. And so I do think that that should be um, considered when uh, thinking about the pump track because one of the major major arguments against having a pickleball court is the noise um, that that would generate. And so um, skateboards are louder than bicycle tires. And um, so I, I personally don't think that a pump track is a great idea for that space because of the um, bordering houses and the already con already concerns about noise. And it would seem to me logical to put a pump track in Ellings Park where there's already a BMX bike park and maybe a biking people can congregate there. Um, and then my last comment is just the the passageways into the park are very dark. And I wonder if there there hasn't been any mention at all about lighting for the park. Um, and I also want to be thoughtful about the people whose houses um, are adjacent to the park. And, you know, I'm not, I don't want floodlights or anything um, because I understand how disruptive that would be to those people who live abutting the park. But I also have other concerns from a safety standpoint of how very dark the park is when you're walking through it. And it's a little bit, um, it, there's some safety and um, danger concerns that I would um, like to have lighting considered for where, you know, if it's just maybe um, solar powered lighting that's low, low enough that you could see where you're walking um, and it would deter sort of any kind of potential um, dangerous, violent people hanging out there. <laughs> okay, that's all. Thank you so much for letting me speak. And, and actually, Ms. Granger, before you go, with respect to the darkness, are you talking about darkness um, after sunset and before sunrise or during daylight hours? Well, in when I I appreciate your your point, and during winter time when it gets dark, you know, close to four thirty five, um, and you're still trying to walk through the park, it's it it's very very dark in certain spots. The easements going into the park um, are very dark. So, that's does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. And Mr. Thompson, I don't know if you know the answer to this question. Is the park theoretically closed between sunset and sunrise, or are there hours specified? Chair Williams, the park is closed uh, at sunset. And so if you go into the park, there we have a large sign in the parking lot with the posted um, time, and that changes depending on the season. Right. Thank you very much. Yeah, people do walk through it. Um, all right, uh, Mr. Mendoza. We do have another speaker. Thank you. Uh, Robin Cedarliff. Uh, Robin, I will go ahead and unmute you on our end as well. Uh, make sure you unmute yourself on your end and you may begin to speak.
Good evening. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. Thank you. All right. Very good. I uh, appreciate the, the uh, presentation. Um, there's a lot of work going into this project. I did attend one of the um, oh, uh, sessions at a Fairview or a La Pater school. And I actually did fill out a survey online too. Um, I was a little taken back by the one comment made that those of us living outside the city of Goleta, uh, our comments would not be um, accepted uh, to, in this project. Um, I happen to live in the 93117 zip code area and less than a quarter mile from the boundary of the city of Goleta. And I've um, been a patron of the park long before it actually became a, an official park, being a, a native of the area and our family um, periodically would uh, be invited to the Stowe's private grove for picnics and whatnot. Um, I really think that it is important to hear from a broader, a little bit broader audience. Um, and so that's kind of kind of my concern. I don't recall um, hearing any discussion or seeing anything on the survey about pump tracks. In fact, that when you were talking about it, I had to look it up. I had no idea what the heck a pump track was. Um, I, I too, uh, don't necessarily think it's a great um, activity for that particular park. I like to think of that park as more of a kind of a passive park. Um, and I wonder too about some of these uh, things that um, they may be more in fashion now, but may go out of fashion later. And I'm really hoping, and I don't know if the city has actually done this, but I'm really hoping they would take a look at all the parks and come up with a park master plan for the entire city so that people can start learning that, okay, well, this particular item is going to go in another park and, and they can start planning ahead. But I do appreciate it appreciate all the work that's going into this. This is a big project and um, and amenities do need to be improved. And I'll uh, thank you very much and end myself now. Thank you so much. Mr. Mendoza, do we have any other members of the public who wish to speak at this time? We have no further hands raised on the webinar. All right, thank you very much. All right, now the fun begins. <laughs> well, as we know, we are going to be, if everyone can look at your agenda, we're going to be looking at items to be voted on. And I am just going to add two things to what we have here. And that is, after we talked about the limited exploratory play elements, um, depending on what vignette we choose, I'm going to give the commissioners an opportunity to bring up any other issue that's not on this list, right, to discuss and vote on. Then we will take a break, and then uh, Ms. Plummer is going to do some magic and assemble all of our recommendations, and um, then we'll sort of look at what we've come up with, and then 
you know, kind of look at that at that point and then decide if that's really what, you know, we like when it's all put together. It's one thing to vote on everything individually, but to see how it all looks when it's together. Will and you say this after the break? <laughs> after we get through all of this. Yeah. Um, uh, Chair, Chair Williams, just for clarification, once we vote on that amenity, because we are taking an actual vote on that, um, then that we that would become part of it and um, as of the project. Um, so, if we'll, we're going to start with the vignette, um, vignette, the, the southern yep. section vignette and yep. the northern ones, yep. and then. Um, we will have a graphic based on the choices of the vignettes, yes. but we don't have a graphic that would include all those other items that we're voting on that are listed in the staff right. report, just for okay. point of clarification. All right, the first item is uh, the south vignette area. Can the consultants or staff please put up the uh, slides that have the two options? As we know, with respect to the south vignette area, we are being asked to choose um, between the following, and that is the um, all, um, and we're doing south first, okay. All abilities playground versus exploratory playground. And, um, and I'm going to put one other option, which is, you know, not necessarily one or the other, but either a combination or some other variation of that. And, um, you know, keeping current footprint. Because right now, as proposed, am I correct, that the All Abilities Playground requires an expansion into ESHA, and the Exploratory Playground requires an expansion into ESHA, is that right? And it requires a increase in the footprint? That is correct. Okay. Yes. And so I would like to add a third alternative to that is keeping current footprint um, and, um, you know, maybe adding additional um, all abilities um, features. Uh, bearing in mind, let me tell you actually what I would like to do first. I'm going to reverse this order. I think we should talk about uh, the north um, vignette first. Because the north vignette, the alternatives we're giving is the pump track or the exploratory play area or exploratory nature play area. And if we decide, on, or none, neither. <laughs> in, in both cases, we can choose neither, obviously, or an alternative to that. Can um, we also choose a garden area? Uh, that's, a, that's different. So the vignette, the north vignette, we're going to start with the north vignette, and that, as presented, was the pump track versus the exploratory play slash exploratory nature play, right? Or we can say neither, right? So if you could pull up north, we have north, good. Thank you very, very much. So that's the area we're looking at. As you can see, it is between the parking lot and the big field. Um, and the proposal is either pump track or exploratory nature play area um, or neither. All right. Who would like to opine about 
um, one of those three options. So for clarification, uh, members of the commission, as we're voting for each of these options, each one will require a motion as second, and then we will take a roll call vote. We will also ask you to vote on your voting mechanism as well. Um, matching your roll call vote, please, uh, so that we can show the members of the audience at home how you voted. Right. Well, if no one's going to jump in, I will make a motion. <laughs> I move that for the North Vignette area, the commission recommends to the city council that we, um, you, we adopt an exploratory nature-based play area similar. Is there a second to that motion? Thank you, Commissioner Walton. All right, discussion on the motion. If there's no discussion, I will call for a vote, or is there discussion? Very good, I, ju I just, thank you. I didn't mean to cut you off, I didn't see it on my, uh, I gotta move this because it's like blocks. <laughs> my little screen edge. Okay, Commissioner Repligo Sherrington. Okay, just to clarify, this is it, this is the only space that we're considering for a pump, a pump track. Okay, thank you. Yes, that is correct. All right, um, Commissioner Jenkins. Could you repeat the motion because I want to get focused on what we're actually voting for. If it's each item we're going to be voting for, yes, that would be great. It's each item we're voting for. And the okay. very first thing we're voting on is what to do about the north area vignette. Okay. So A further clarification for me. What if all the votes are equal? One, two, three, four, five, six. Um, no, I mean, there, there are three different items on the north side that we'd be voting for, correct? Two. I'm just voting, my motion is that we adopt the nature um, exploratory play area option. I understand that, mm -hmm. but there could be another motion to adopt another aspect, of another okay. use of that facility. And what I'm trying to clarify uh, as we move forward in just terms of the process, is if that vote affirms the same thing that the first vote affirms. Commissioner so Jenkins, these are meant to be exclusive motions. I so know they're exclusive. So <coughs> issue one, let's say we all vote in favor of that. Issue two, let's say we all vote in favor of that one. You can't, yeah, you can't. So if, if I may, Chair, um, there's a motion on the floor Yes. If you'd like to introduce a second motion not to adopt the uh, exploratory nature play, then you would offer a motion, a second, a, a different motion. I won't call it a second motion, but a different motion. Then that motion would be taken first. If that doesn't get the votes for support, then you go back to the original motion. Actually, you can only offer an amendment, and that really wouldn't be an amendment. Uh, we, either, no. we either vote up or down on this motion. Well, right. If no, no one's no one's introduced an uh, a, an amended motion. So the, right now the motion is what's on the floor, unless somebody wants to introduce an amended motion. Okay. Yep. I just wanted to be clear sure. about the process. Yep. 
Vignette is one of the more complicated. Vignette's one of the more complicated because this was exclusive. It's either that, that, or neither. So we could have done a motion saying um, the nature play area, um, the you know the home track, or neither. But the motion that has been made and seconded is to um, do the nature based play area. And there's been a second. Any other discussion? Chair Williams, prior to you uh, calling for a vote, I just wanted to clarify for Vice Chair Jenkins, um, you have a vignette area, there are two options, option A or option B, and the motion on the floor right now is the to select option B and move forward with option B. So then we would move and to the next item, which would be the other vignette area, talking about the playground space. Thank you for that clarification. All right, any other discussion? And thank you, Commissioner Jenkins, for helping us that in. Um, all right, we will, um, Mr. Mendoza, if you could um, call roll, please. Of course, and if I can remind the commissioners to lock in their vote as well on the little screen. Uh, Commissioner Fury. Yes. Commissioner Hugh. Yes. Commissioner Replicable Purinton. Yes. Commissioner Walton. Yes. Vice Chair Jenkins. Um, yes. And Chair Williams. Yes. And if the commissioners could lock in the vote on your little screen. Everyone can see. So okay. once you. Oh, lock vote, lock vote. Everyone, I see, you have to hit lock vote. Oh, okay, yeah. great. Perfect. <laughs> Motion passes. Thank you. This is the first time we've had the opportunity to use this uh, technology. technology. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Very exciting. This is, you know, how many, how many years have we been in COVID? Three years, right? Yeah. So, yeah, been three years to use this technology. So it's a historic moment We're for the commission. Spirit. All right, thank you very much. All right, this takes us to um, uh, South Vignette area, if we can pull that up. All right, so as you can see where the South Vignette area is, and the two options that were presented was an all abilities, um, and a second option was um, Option one, alternative, yeah. Alternative one was all abilities. Alternative two is exploratory nature play. Um, and then alternative three, um, I would propose is that it's uh, not to extend the um, existing boundaries so we don't have ESHA issues, um, but to add to the extent that we can um, some all abilities features when we remodel the playground. So there are three options unless does anyone have another option uh, you would like with respect to this all right very good um commissioner Could I ask for a yes. point of clarification Please. um the um existing playground is it just on that um west, east side of those trees but there's existing playgrounds above that as well so when you're defining uh holding it to the current footprint uh, does that include the swing set area and yeah. okay yeah <laughs> yeah the same footprint swing set area everything but um 
obviously updated, making sure it's ADA, adding some allowability features. Okay, um, Commissioner Refugal Purrington. I move that we um, accept the recommendation for the alternative one, the all abilities inclusive playground with the new boundaries. I think it presents Goleta as being very inclusive and um, I, I, I have been visiting this park since I was eight years old. I've used the play equipment, now I kind of just stroll through. But the play equipment does need to be available to all. Is there a second? I second. Okay. I, I, I would add, well, yes. I'll wait for discussion. Yes, thank you very much. It's been moved and seconded. Um, uh, discussion, anything else you want to say about it, uh, Commissioner Refical Purinton? Um, no, I'm going to let uh, Commissioner Feria add to it. Okay, Commissioner Feria. Uh, while I appreciate your concerns about the footprint, I will reiterate what one of our um, our community members mentioned, which is right now the way the footprint works is not conducive to um, parents and guardians and adults um, being able to monitor their children in a safe way, especially if there are multiple children that they're monitoring. So. Um, the way that it's expanded is also making it such that it's more integrated across the, so it's actually kind of three separate play areas. So that's why I, I like it with the slightly expanded footprint. Thank you. Thank you. Any other commissioners wish to speak to this? I will just say I am sympathetic to what you've described. Um, I do think such an important Part of this park is keeping as much, um, you know, natural grass, open, unstructured area, and um, and the goal, from my perspective, would be to keep the existing footprint, and then you know modifying it to address the issues that have been described, including including all inclusive and also you know better visibility and everything else. But to do it so we don't have to deal with the ultra issue and we don't um, cut back on just the open free play, open to everyone uh, aspect of this park. All right, any other discussion? All right, hearing none, if you could uh, call for the vote. Commissioner Furia? Yes. Commissioner Hugh? Yes. Commissioner Replical Purinton? Yes. Commissioner Walton? Yes. Vice Chair Jenkins? Yes. And Chair Williams? No. Motion passes. Thank you. All right. That then takes us to the maintenance facility improvements, which, uh, as noted here, would require removal of one tree. Um, but it was also mentioned that, um, oh, we gotta go there. It was also mentioned that we would be replacing that tree. Right, so we would be replacing the tree. Okay, um, Commissioner Furia. This is a general comment about some of the, uh, many of the items we have on our list right now. It, a lot of these are listed as moderate support, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact they're kind of boring. <laughs> they're 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 just the things that, I, and I I mean I mean this because to the public, to, to people who are going to the park. It's not top of mind what your trash structure looks like. You're, it's not top of your mind. 
And so I don't think that moderate support in this case, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, means that there's not support for it. It's just that when we had our seven stickers, we, most folks were either voting for things they were very passionate for or very passionate against. And so in, in, in this way, I feel like, can, you'll let me know if I'm, I'm wrong, but it's not that people were, it, it wasn't an ambivalent situation where very strongly in both directions, it was just that not a lot of people said anything. It, you're correct, I, I would say in attending the workshop, talking to folks, um, they did reserve those, those dots for things that they felt were more of the exciting elements, we'd say. Um, which is why we did include it, because we used our you know judgment in that case. We relied on staff input, um, but we certainly want to bring it up for the motion this evening so that we have clear guidance going forward. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right. Um, would you like to make a motion at this point, Commissioner Padilla? I think someone else wants to talk. So Okay. Uh, it's good to have a motion on the floor, but if you don't wish to, that's fine. Um, Commissioner Jenkins. Um, to that issue about the dots, um, just because I attended the meeting, uh, with those dots, you could put all your dots in one area. And some people did that, and others dispersed them with uh, different amenities that, that, that were offered. Um, and that isn't to say that they, they weren't important to them, but when they put all their dots in one specific thing, it seems like they were more passionate about that one specific item. Thank you. Um, this just goes as a point of clarification. Thank you. I move that we accept the refurbished maintenance facilities uh, proposal. Very good. Is there a second on that motion? I will second that motion. Thank you. It is moved and seconded. Um, Commissioner Walton, I see you would like to speak. Yes, I had a question for clarification. We're, do we need to accept all, I guess there's like 10 of these items, or we're going to be vote on each item separate? We're going to vote on each item separately. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. And we um, don't have to accept any of them, correctly? Correct. Yeah, so, okay, so there's no, okay, I understand. Thank you. Totally correct. Yes. Um, all right, very good clarification. Any other comments about the motion on the floor? All right, Mr. Mendoza, if you could please call roll. Commissioner Furia? Yes. Uh, Commissioner Hugh? Yes. Commissioner Replicable Purinton? Yes. Commissioner Walton? Yes. Vice Chair Jenkins? Yes. And Chair Williams? Yes. Motion passes. Thank you very much. All right, that brings us to the next item, which is park entrance enhancements. If we can pull up the screen, please. So as the commissioners can see from the screen, uh, the proposal is four park entrance enhancements. Um, and the description is enhance existing park entrances and include directional signage, um, include some gateway elements at promenade entrances. What do gateway elements mean? Th those could be features that um, really help to pronounce that um, entry. So looking at maybe 
fitting within the park, of course, uh, maybe some pilaster or a sign or something that really helps to enhance that. That would be, again, as, as we're talking through some of these items further discussed and established at a later process. Okay, very good. And improve access per ADA code requirements. I mean, that's required by law. All right, uh, Commissioner Replica Purinton. Would this also um, include one of the uh, public's comment about better lighting? Commissioner Replicle Purinton uh, and members of the commission, right now there is not a proposal to have any lighting in the park because, as Mr. Thompson mentioned, the park does close at dusk, mm -hmm. but it would provide the opportunity to either widen or um, reduce some of the shrubs and create a a more open accessible area. I do also want to share with the commission for a point of clarification. We are going to be improving each of those entrances for the ADA access because we are required to by law as stated. So what you're voting on really today is enhancing those park entrances, um, potentially adding some gateway elements um, at the entrance to, you know, like the you are here type of thing, but uh, it's the park's not that big where we need those types of signs, but to let people know where to where to go and how to get there, or some interesting facts or history about the parks. Thank you, that clarifies things. Joanne, could I ask for a clarification on that? Um, those improvements for ADA, don't they include going all the way out to the public streets? I believe they do. I believe we have to, um, at least to the sidewalk, uh, for the to the right-of-way, and then based on the surrounding areas of the right-of-way of, of where people would have access to get to that sidewalk. Yeah, you definitely have um, some ADA issues out at the street. <clears throat> so uh, we haven't drawn them like that because we have the boundary of the park, but you might want to make a clarification that they could include or maybe just say that the that the city is going to look at um, doing those regardless of it being in the park master plan, uh, at least those that are out on the street outside of the park boundary. Thank you. Noted. Very good. Commissioner Jenkins? Um, I move to upgrade the existing park entrance. Is there a second? Okay, Commissioner Walton. Um, discussion? I would actually like uh, to propose an amendment to that, and that is um, uh, that the park entrance enhancements would be as natural um, and you know, simple as possible to communicate the necessary information. Yeah. I'm in favor. Is there a second second to that amendment? Yes. All right. Okay. Any further discussion? I don't know if we should include uh, the clarification that Ms. Plummer just made in terms of uh, the upgrades that need to be done with the street with this motion. Thank you, Vice Chair Jenkins. We will mention. Um, Mr. Singleton's comments when we take the item to council to let them know that improvements do exceed outside of the park for ADA. So we will carry that forward to council regardless, but outside of the master plan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that clarification. Any further questions or comments? If not, we'll vote on the amendment first. Uh, the amendment is um, to amend Mr. Jenkins' motion that the um, entrance. Um, Improvement should be as natural and you know simple and straightforward as, as possible to communicate the information. Any discussion on the amendment? Okay, Mr. Mendoza, vote on the amendment, please. 
Commissioner Furia? Yes. Commissioner Hugh? Yes. Commissioner Replico Purinton? I thought we were amending his motion and it's one thing, not two items. You have so to I'm confused. You have to vote on the amendment. You have to Separately vote on the amendment. Than, than the motion that is amended? Yes. The that's correct. You're voting on the amended motion, yes. which is. But that isn't what they're saying. No, it is. Exactly yeah, you vote on is. the amendment, and then you vote on the amended motion total. Just. I'm just questioning, because Mr. Valdez oftentimes has these legal answers. Well, no, because usually there's the amendment being, if it was, like, like if you didn't want to do it, that would be different than amending the motion to include this, and if that's acceptable by the person who had made the amendment, then we'll just keep going forward and just finish the vote. What's, what is con in conflict sometimes is if you say, I want A, and then someone says, I'd like to amend the motion to be B, then that's starkly different than saying, uh, I think what, I, what the chair wanted, which was with limited impacts as possible, and I think just, just I know there's a, a vote to happen right now, but I think it's safe to say that all of these things, we're trying to limit the impacts as much as possible. So if we're gonna have to add that to every single motion, I think you should understand that the consulting team and project team has heard that loud and clear throughout this. And so it's hard to, to quantify minimal possible. So please note that that's, that's the understanding of the project team. So could we hear the motion one more time and I'm happy to then vote? So I can try to recapture the motion. The motion was to upgrade the existing park entrances. That was the original one. And then the amended motion was and limit to the extent possible additional impacts to, to make it um, as limited as natural as possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you, yes. Commissioner Walton? Yes. Vice Chair, Vice Chair Jenkins? Yes. Chair Williams? Yes. Motion passes. Thank you. All right, the next item is include trash and No, no. We voted on the amendment, now we have to vote well, on the whole motion. that's what I thought we should do, but um, Mr. Valdez, that right, because differently. So we'll just go with it. We voted on the amended motion um, in total. I disagree with that, but we'll just do that. We'll just do that. Then. Yeah, we'll just do that. Okay. Um, in, include trash enclosure. All right. If we can pull that up. Great. All right. Add new trash enclosure. The latest requirement to contain the floating trash bins. All right. Um, can you remind us, um, Mr. Thompson, is is this on currently um, developed or currently undeveloped land that this is being proposed? Uh, Chair Williams, this specific location is undeveloped, um, and it's a little bit hard to see at this scale, but we have actually two locations for our current dumpsters, one at this general location at this northeastern corner of the parking lot and then we have two green waste bins at the maintenance uh, building area and from just a consolidation and the the previous item that you voted on to uh, introduce this new maintenance access road 
our suggestion would be to consolidate all of the dumpsters to the, the maintenance yard area so that we have the marboard trash truck come in at that location. And then it's kind of like a restaurant, you have the back of house operation shielded from the public view. So I'm confused, this would be in that area, the consolidated area, or this is separate from that? Yeah, sorry for the confusion here. This would actually be recommended um, at the alternative location at the maintenance yard. But oh, generally talking about having some sort of facility like this, if we could perhaps transition this idea to the maintenance yard area so where this we have would a dedicated be the trash yard, enclosure. Undeveloped. Yep. Right? Sorry, well, that's yes. the Williams. recommendation on the fly. <laughs> Sorry, Ms. Uh, okay. For for clarification, um, because you first voted and supported the change to the maintenance yard, had you not done that, then this would be a point that we would have to vote on. But since the commission supported that effort, carrying that forward, um, we will make a notation that if council does not support that, that we would need to have direction on a um, a structure like this. But very good. Um, I thought that was the case. But yes. Okay, excellent. Thank you. So we can skip we this can one. We can skip this one. Um, upgrade existing park entrances. You did that one. We did that yeah. one. We did we I do that one out of choice? Oh. Okay, park entrance enhancements versus upgrade existing park entrances. Are these two different items or the same? We did park entrance enhancements. And this is upgrade existing park entrances. Okay. Didn't we just pass? Yeah, we did one. We did that. You passed one that said upgrade existing. One said upgrade something, something, something. I just Chair saw Williams, upgrade. if you. If you yeah, want to, I, too, yeah, yeah. We, did, mm -hmm. we saw upgrade as you were zipping through. So could you go a little slower? <laughs> or just someone? Just, just so we can. There's one that started with upgrade, maybe it was something else upgrade. And the, the tables that we were talking about might be a good way to highlight which items were in the motions. Um, so if you, if you go back to the um, slides prior to this, I know there's a lot of clicking. Apologize for the number of slides. So keep going backwards a few slides there, and then you may see it in, in these series of slides as highlighted. Um, so that, that could be one way to distill it there. Consultants, do you remember that there are two different action items, one being park entrance enhancements and the other be upgrade existing park entrances? I, I want to say there may have been a confusion on that item to be the promenade into the park. Um, there is an entry promenade down here, too. Yes, Chair Williams, if you want to move to the next one, okay, and we can circle out. back and let you know. Okay, thank you. Here we go. Family activities at picnic area. If you can pull that up, please. Okay. So this is include family activities at picnic area. It would include concrete cornhole, explore including concrete ping pong, and defined areas for bounce houses. Now again, we could have a subset of that um, that we would support or say that we don't need um, any of those areas, any of those. Commissioner Replicable Carrington? Are these, I, I believe, because it says such as, that these are just suggestions and we can 
you know, really make the determinations down the road. But we're just looking at an activities, family activities in the picnic area, correct? Conceptually. That is correct, yes. Conceptually. Yes, yes. conceptually thinking right. about those activities, correct. Thank you, Vice Chair Jenkins. All right, so this would be, we're looking at the diagram of two. Um, this is currently in undeveloped areas. Mm -hmm. Well, um, there's, uh, there's a lot of the spaces around the picnic areas themselves that are disturbed and flat and no natural vegetation on them. So I think uh, we wouldn't be taking out trees in this location. We would just be talking about um, providing something that's immediately available to those that rent it as a group picnic area to have a few fun things to do. And so that's, you know, the, the horseshoes are there, but there are quite a bit ways over. This is just something that would be closer to the picnic tables themselves. So uh, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't need to take down any trees and it wouldn't need to really require much at all. Great, a little bit, but not much at all. Okay. That, that is correct. And, and we'll use that um, guidance as well um, when we go into further design on that. And I think one of the issues here is and I'm sure you guys have all seen, people bring their own activities. They might bring Frisbees, they might bring their own cornhole, they might bring whatever. And I think the real question is whether we structure things or leave it open so people can do whatever they want and don't feel as if they're being constrained to play you know, structured activities. Um, and candidly, I think it's better to leave it open and let people bring their own activities. Um, whether they want to play cornhole, they bring a, you know, a cornhole thing, which people bring all the time. If they want to do their frisbees and run around and not worry about tripping on things, they can do that. So, um, so I think that's really the option. Do we have these structured, concrete things that kind of dictate activities, or do we just say, hey, this is some great green space. People can do whatever they want. I would um, see that we have a lot of people who want to speak on this. Commissioner Replica Purinton. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no? Okay, I didn't. Very good. Oh, Commissioner Jenkins. Um, this proposal, um, it feels somewhat limited when people make use of the park. So if I reserve the facility, that space, it seems like it's just for my group and that other park users don't have access to it um, because of the proximity and because I unloaded all my stuff, I've defined this area to be my area and I can see where that might um, cause conflict um, of current reservation holders versus people that want access to it, whether they come there daily or periodically. Um, it seems like it might be fraught with conflict. To me. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Furia. Uh, <coughs> thank you. I, I agree to a certain extent with um, Chair Williams' point about having existing activities versus not. The one point of contention I would have is the defined areas for bounce houses. I do think that was something that came up a lot for folks that right now bounce houses kind of go wherever 
it can fit them in their two different areas that can hold the bounce houses at the moment, but if we defined an area for bounce houses, if only one picnic area could ha have those, that might um, address and mitigate some of the concerns that neighbors had in terms of, of noise and getting around and that sort of thing. So in, in that way, I feel like that, that part of the defined family activities makes sense to me, to have yeah. one set area with defined space where specifically a bounce house could go. Would you like to make that motion? Yes, and um, my, my concern here is that w I think we're not supposed to vote on specific features right now, just the idea of the features, so in that but, way. But what you've described is really different as described. It is, a, it is a clear subset. It is just a defined area, and it wouldn't be like concrete or anything. It would be like, it would be known on a map, this is where you could put your bounce house, which is very different. It would be different direction to the city council and to the people like, we don't think we should have like, you know, these built-in cornhole things and stuff like that. But we do think the one thing we agree with is, is, um, is that we should have a defined area. So I think that's a very different concept. So I think that's appropriate. Okay. So I would motion that we create a defined area for family activities associated with one of the um, reservable um, picnic areas of the bounce house. It, it could include a bounce house, but they, right. it's a defined area that you have set aside okay. if you rent the picnic. So it could be a bounce house. You could set up your own cornhole. You can do whatever you want with it, but there is a defined area that is connected to the picnic okay. area. Very good. If, if I may, I think it's really important to make that distinction because what is popular today may not be the right. case five That's years, good. ten years That's from now. Good. So That's very good. Very good point. Thank you. All right. Anyone wish to second that motion? Very good. Commissioner Walton, any discussion on that motion? Mr. Jenkins? Again, I, I think when people come to an area and set up, um, it's not inclusive, it's exclusive. And I look at public parks as being open to the public. And um, if people want to bring extra amenities and make use of those exclusively because they paid for them, bounce house or whatever or whatever, I'm okay with that. But when something's permanently placed in the park, I believe all should have access to it. All right. Um, any other discussion? I just want to clarify, it's just a spot to put that thing, mm -hmm. not at the thing itself. And in this case, these are actually reservable areas. Correct. People are paying to use the area. Mm -hmm. um, and so in that way, you're paying. What, what I'm suggesting is that as part of the area, you're not just getting the picnic tables, but a defined area to put in additional items. Not permanent items, just things that you bring. So it could be a Frisbee area. It could be a bounce house. In the future, it could be a hovercraft zone. Who knows? <laughs> um, so what I'm suggesting is just that the picnic area include a defined space that could say fit something along the lines of a bounce house or um, foot races or whatever you want to put there. Very good. All right. Any further discussion? All right. Mr. Mendoza. Well, can you read the motion? Yes. Mr. Or Mendoza. repeat yes. the motion. 
Just so, so I know what I'm voting on. Yeah, Mr. Mendoza will review it. So the motion I have is motion to create a defined area for family activities uh, within one of the picnic areas. Do I, have, do I have that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. All right, um, Mr. Mendoza, if you call for the vote. Commissioner Furia? Yes. Commissioner Hugh? Yes. Commissioner Replicole Purinton? Yes. Commissioner Walton? Yes. Vice Chair Jenkins? Yes. Chair Williams? Yes. All right, thank you very much, everyone. We are zipping along. All right, motion passes. Motion passes. Okay. Um, and that, of course, is to the exclusion of the built cornhole stuff and everything. Okay, so entrance, did, did we figure out whether those were two separate things above? Uh, Chair Williams, uh, yes, it looks like it's a duplication. Um, we had typed it one way, and then we clarified it further another way. So Good. that was the same item. Good. So we don't have to vote for one item. Yay. Excellent. Okay. But it gets us to the entrance junction. Pull that up. And let me say one thing I've been meaning to say, and that is really want to thank the public for all of the engagement in this issue, both for testifying tonight, for coming to all the workshops, for participating in all the surveys. It was tremendous interest in public engagement. And as you can see, we're very deeply informed by what the public had to say. So thank you very much. Okay, entrance junction over there. Yes. All right, small area where... Um, paths all meet, directional signs for the park, could include small art and interpretive elements for the park. Uh, one reason I asked for how large this park was, <laughs> 11 acres, it, this, is, this is not Yosemite, right? <laughs> this is not Yosemite. And part of the fun of this park is sort of discovering it and going around to places. So, um, you know, you know, it's bigger than some of our little itty bitty parks, but it's not Lake Los Coneras, it's not um, Elwood Mesa. Um, and so, um, you know, just keeping that in mind and whether we need a kiosk or something in the middle of this park to direct people, but um, particularly if we have some informational signage. But, um, but a discussion about this item. Maybe they show that kind of kiosk example. Um, um, so it's either you can make them um, discuss whether we should or should not have this. This again is one of those. Commissioner Walton says, "Can we just say no?" Yes, of course we can just say no. Um, so would anyone like to make a motion with respect to the entrance junction issue? Commissioner Jenkins. I move that we pass on this amenity. Is there a second? I Can we make it just clear and just say no? No. Like, yeah, and then that was not included. Yeah. Yes, please. I thought uh, we had to vote on everything. You do. Right. So, Vice <laughs> Vice Chair Jenkins, if you could, instead of saying we pass on this, if you could perhaps reword your motion okay. to say that I move that we do not include the entrance junction plaza in the draft, in the park design. I move that we don't vote in favor of this amenity. Right, we're not including. Vice Chair Jenkins, um, <laughs> again, we can't, you, 
in your motion, you can't suggest a way if somebody's going to vote. What you can do <laughs> is say that you right. will do no. not want to include this in the park. I move that we don't include this amenity. And I second that. All right, any discussion? All right, Mr. Mendoza, if you would call for the vote, please. Commissioner Furio? The yes vote is that we don't include, that we recommend not including this element, which is sort of confusing. Is it possible for me to think for a moment while yes. everybody else votes? Yes, yes. Is that allowed? Yes, you may. And did we call for discussion? Yes. We did. I just want to ponder for a sec. Sure. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> We're going fast, I know. <laughs> and the hour is late. <laughs> take your time. Commissioner, take your time. Can we circle back to it? Can we circle back? I don't think so. No. <laughs> I, I, I abstain then. I haven't decided. All right. It's perfectly fine, I think. All right. Uh, Commissioner Who? Uh, I also abstain. Commissioner Replicole Purinton? I vote yes. Commissioner Walton? Yes. Vice Chair Jenkins? Yes. Chair Williams? Yes. Motion passes. All right, thank you. Could I ask for one quick clarification? I know the, the motion passed, but would that um, still allow us to have where the trails come together to have some small seating areas or a couple benches or rock boulders with no vertical elements, but just the fact that it is a junction of multiple trails. Um, I know we wouldn't do it the way we're talking about now, but the way the motion was kind of written, it's almost like saying the junction can't have any additional design treatments. Mr. Jenkins? I think the boulders and just enhancing right. the trails would be fine with that. Right. Anything natural, I think it's yeah. just not having big kiosks and directional signs and so forth. Yeah. Thank you. Everyone agree with that who voted yes? <laughs> okay, very good. Very good clarification. Thank you. All right. I want to take just a couple deep breaths. I know we're zipping, but we're getting there. Entry promenade. All right. Entry promenade. Um, so this is include interpretive elements, enhance the walkway. And so this is this is just the path between the parking lot and for Chair Jenkins for clarification for the commit I mean sorry Chair Williams and Vice Chair Jenkins and the members of the commission for clarification this is the area um, that was spoken to about reclaimed area of the park because we're not having to drive maintenance vehicles through the park so this is the uh, currently the pathway of travel for water to get to the playground from the parking lot during rains. Um, so this is an area because of the improvements to the parking lot and improvements to the playground that we've really been able to reclaim as part of the park. And so the recommendation here is to, um, you know, make it a, an entryway, a, a gateway almost to the park. It's right in the middle. It kind of goes either way. It's um, just a nice opportunity to have some interpretive elements, uh, make it a little bit more decorative. Um, obviously, we will be improving the drainage, um, but maybe putting in some educational elements would include the enhancement 
we will be including the drainage regardless in that area, um, but the addition of educational elements, possibly decorative paving, those type of enhancements is what you're looking at to, to kind of make it a, a focal point and make it aesthetically pleasing. And again, we're recapturing it and taking it away from the asphalt uh, driveway that it is right now. And just to add to that, the um, photograph in the upper right-hand corner may not be quite the best photo to use for that because we're not talking about a bright white concrete surface. Um, and it doesn't have to be a continuous width. It can be a meandering, more uh, either a natural shape or eroded edges on it where it kind of comes in and out with boulders along the edge. So don't don't use that photo upper corner say, oh, it looks like just a bunch of more concrete. Yeah. It's really intended to be an enhanced and designed element that works together a bioswale and provides some uh, natural landscaping on each side of it, partly to even hide the fence that would be that's existing there, since there's no need for vehicles to come down that road and to go into the uh, maintenance facility. They'll be coming from the other direction. Um, you have you don't need even a gate there anymore. So it's really reclaiming the area for more park like use. Okay. Any okay, Commissioner Furrier? No, no, I didn't get rid of you. Commissioner Replica Purinton. With that clarification, I move that we support the entry promenade. A second. All right. Any discussion? All right. I will not amend the motion to say make it as natural and elegant as possible. I think the bioswale is wonderful and be wonderful to have an educational element. But you just described it to be very natural and elegant and um, um, low impact. So I think we all understand that to be the case. All right. Any further discussion? All right. Mr. Mendoza, if you could call for the vote, please. Commissioner Furia? Yes. Commissioner Who? Yes. Replicable, Commissioner Perpicle Pierrenton? Yes. Commissioner Walton? Yes. Vice Chair Jenkins? Yes. Chair Williams? Yes. Motion passes. All right. Channel Islands Cultural Plaza. Now, while staff is bringing this up, um, Ms. Plummer, would you explain what's going on with, you know, the uh, Channel Islands kind of park from our past commission meetings and so forth? Not the Channel Islands. No, this, the cultural, what's going on with Shumatch Cultural? So the commission knows that. Yes, uh, Vice Chair, I have some limited information that I can share with the commission. Earlier last year, the commission um, had, I think, I think it was last year, that had some discussions uh, regarding the Heritage Ridge Park that is uh, going to be located um, just up the way. And in that area, there was a, a, an area as designated for the Chumash awareness and and lots of great representative for play features and educational components and elements. Um, right now, that project um, has made it through the Planning Commission, and its next step is City Council, and right now the Planning Commission is in support and in support of the park uh, that you uh, reviewed as well. So I just wanted to make you aware of that. And that, as the commissioner may remember, has very rich Chumach um, you know, inspired, informed, um, interpreted um, area. So we are very fortunate to be able to add that to our park portfolio. But that has is uh, online. 
Okay. Um, I have one quick question with respect to it. I, I, I walk in this entrance to the park periodically. For some reason, I cannot remember any Channel Island um, plantings. Am I just not remembering? And also, it seems like this is actually quite dark in the south. Um, seems tree. That's one of the dark entrances when you walk through. Is there enough light here for this? And we know Channel Islands are treeless and require huge amounts of light. So I'm a little confused. Chair Williams, we do have some plantings that are representative of kind of the iconic vegetation of the Channel Islands, um, most notably the ironwood trees um, are down there. And I believe we have a couple buckwheat species. Okay. I don't know the, the history of who planted those or how they came to be, but um, there's a, co a collection that's representative there. Okay, didn't know that. Interesting, all right. And, and we would certainly suggest that the area of the existing trees be thinned up to let more light in that. Very dark, yeah. Get some more natural area, uh, na native plants in there that would be in typical of the Channel Islands. So it, would, it doesn't need to require those trees to be removed. It's really thinning them up, lacing them out to let more light through. I see, okay. Um, so celebrating the Channel Islands for the Channel Islands Mother Nature. All right. Any, um, yes, Commissioner Replica Purinton. I think with La Patera School right across the street that this is a good opportunity for educational, yep. um, um, just good educational opportunities because not everybody's going to be able to go. They can, kids can walk across the street from La Patera. They can't necessarily go on a field trip. Right. So, okay. oh, very good. I would like to make a motion to support the Channel Islands Cultural Plaza. Um, amenity. Channel Islands and Cultural Plaza amenity. Very good. Is there a second? I second. Commissioner Hughes seconds. Um, and thank you for that clarification. And I, I like that motion. And also, I don't know how many people know that's Channel Island uh, vegetation there. <laughs> Is that news to you? Yeah, exactly. So uh, that will be most interesting to make that more publicly known. Okay. Um, any further discussion? All right, Mr. Mendoza, if you could call the for a, uh, call the vote. Commissioner Furia? Yes. Commissioner Hugh? Yes. Commissioner Replicable Parenton? Yes. Commissioner Walton? Yes. Vice Chair Jenkins? Yes. Chair Williams? Yes. Motion passes. Yay. All right. Um, sand volleyball court. So the proposal is to reduce it to one and to improve it and then potentially uh, have some seating and so forth. Um, any commission discussion on this? Anyone like to make a motion? Commissioner Jenkins. I'm not sure about the use of the current volleyball court. Is it popular in this park? Um, something that's well used? I, I know the the open field, I always see people there, but I can't recall people being on the volleyball court. Vice Chair Jenkins, I can share with you that the courts were heavily used and okay. served almost as a home court for our local high school okay. for their beach volleyball program. Um, since in, in the past number of years, they've been able to build a beach volleyball structure at the school campus. And so it's no longer considered as um, the home space as training. But beach volleyball continues to grow in our area. They're still 
popular, this um, reduction of taking it down to one is is a possible consideration. We'd still have that amenity available for public use, um, but the other component to reducing that is enhancing the space, um, making it easier for maintenance, as well as maybe adding a spectator area, not bleachers, but maybe a bench or so for someone mm -hmm. waiting to go in or, or um, waiting to play or watching their child or their friend. All right. Commissioner Furia? Uh, I, I love the idea of reducing it to one so that it's a nicer area for use and then making you know the path all the way around. I know I don't get back there very often because there's no, no way to get around, really. You have to kind of um, dodge GoPro. So I am going to motion that we accept or the amenity to, now uh, I have to figure out how to say this, to decrease the sand volleyball to one and um, move and accommodate the path and do all the things around it to make it awesome. Excellent. And modify. Um, approve it. Excellent. I'll Is there a second? I'll second. Yes, thank you, Commissioner. Uh, any discussion? Any discussion? All right. Mr. Mendoza, if you would take the vote, please. Commissioner Furia? Yes. Commissioner Hugh? Yes. Commissioner Replicable Purinton? Yes. Commissioner Walton? Yes. Vice Chair Jenkins? Yes. Chair Williams? Yes. Motion passes. Excellent. All right. This is now the opportunity for the commissioners. If there was anything that was in the kind of, oh, we're going to do this <laughs> category, that you'd like to say, wait a minute, um, we need to discuss this as a commission, right? Because they were all those, I mean, these are the ones that were highlighted for our input. Or was there anything that came up to you that seems to be uh, destined to be in the master plan that you would like to examine further. And I do have one, which, oh, I'm sorry. Um, and that is the uh, second bathroom. Um, I certainly have heard arguments in favor. It's 150 yards away. Um, it, um, right now, we don't have permission to build a new structure. We'd have to get permission. It would have ESHA complications. Um, I think we could expand the existing bathroom and remodel it to, as was pointed out, add two more stalls. And I know it's not perfect, but this is only an 11-acre park. And, um, and if there has to be the temporary solution of an additional porta potty, which doesn't have the ESHA impact, doesn't have the exorbitant expense, and um, plumbing issues and everything else. Um, you know, we have, what do we have at Lake Los Caneros and Elwood Mesa? We've got, you know, a couple porta potties. Um, so I would uh, move that um, we um, not include the building of a second restroom for all for the cost, maintenance. Um, uh, ESHA and other considerations. Second. Okay, it's been moved and seconded. Discussion? Commissioner Jenkins? Um, I just did that to second. Oh, very good. Thank you very much. All right, Commissioner Furia? I think what we're doing with the master plan is looking at the long-term um, situation of the park and one of the things that's going to happen as we make these improvements to the park is that even more people are going to continue to visit. 
and um, we already have too few bathrooms, we already have temporary solutions we have to put into place. But I think that voting for the bathroom is a long-term, um, it's our longitudinal plan for the park to make sure that for 30 years is what we decided, <laughs> this is gonna be a place that can sustain the community and folks beyond. So 150 yards doesn't sound like a lot, except if you're a two-year-old and you've just been potty trained, or if you're a parent and you have multiple children that you have to wrangle to get to the other side of the park, or just the fact that maybe there's already a long line, that's the picnic area, that's right next to the two largest picnic areas, so if you have a company picnic going on with 150 people and there are only three stalls on either side, so I think having the bathroom is a great long-term um, solution for the park, both for the fact the proximity to the playground, that's all, that's nice, especially <laughs> as a parent, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I have a bias there, that's an excellent um, solution for that, but just long-term, there, there are lots of people using the park and having more bathrooms is not gonna be a problem. Also, the types of bathrooms that um, are proposed here, as we've already said, without having to tear down and restructure the old building to fit some of the new um, requirements of, of the state for having a space that is multiple party accessible, right? That's gonna be good for being near the universal accessible playground, right? To have that, um, also as a parent, trying to fit three, five <laughs> people in a single, which is now gonna be smaller stall in the other bathroom versus having an entire space where even multiple children can go potty at the same time. Um, anyway, I, I strongly oppose the idea of not building that second structure, both for the immediate needs of the community and the long-term needs of the community. Thank you. All right, uh, Commissioner Walton. Um, yes, I will just second everything that Commissioner Ferry has stated, exactly what I was gonna say. I think it's worth it for the future. Um, and the alternative is children will continue to make their own way, which is not what really what we want anyway. So we, we, I feel like this is something we have to address and we need the second bathroom. Thank you. Any other commissioner comments? Uh, commissioner Jenkins. Um, I heard the consultants or George or someone um, testify in terms of the cost of building and maintaining bathrooms. And um, it seems very prohibitive uh, from a cost perspective. In terms of uh, an amenity, um, I think to have two bathrooms would be great, but the maintenance issue and to sustain it um, is because of the cost is something that I'm not in favor of. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Ripley, go Parenton. Um, I, again, I will third <laughs> what Commissioner Feria said, and also as she pointed out long-term, um, when is it going to be required that we have gender-neutral bathrooms? So I think we should address it now when we're doing the master plan, and it was mentioned that there are prefab or manufactured bathrooms as opposed to constructing one brick by brick, bringing in a construction crew as opposed to bringing in a manufactured one. And we are paying expenses to have the porta potty serviced. I don't know what those are, but it's it's still an expense. 
So that is um, my feeling. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Furio, you wanted to say something else? Yeah, one more point in response to the cost is I would say the opportunity cost of not doing it. Um, there are, there's the environmental impact of where else the people might be using the restroom. Um, that's gonna have a long-term impact on, on the park. And then also, again, if we don't add it into the master plan now, it's gonna be a lot more process and cost. This, that means we have to do this entire community process again if we ever wanna add it. And that's, that's a very high cost. So I'd say, even though it's a cost now, and a, a monetary cost, the, the long-term opportunity cost and the, uh, the cost in the long term might outweigh that initial cost to build the bathroom. Thank you. A quick question of staff. Do we know from the previous owners um, have they approved, uh, have they given the city the potential permission to build us? We didn't have permission to build the first one, right? Um, have they given the, uh, is there any indication that there's permission to build a second building on this property? As, as the commission may recall, um, the, there are restrictions on uh, the conveyance, and one was to build no new structures. Uh, thank you, Chair Williams. So right now, as the city has uh, taken over management of all of the, an ownership of all of the county-owned parcels, um, there was an additional building built during the county's ownership. And so we've been working with the family to open up the deed to true it up. We are far from completion in that process. Um, so the commission can support this at this time if they choose to. And if the family says no, no new structures, then um, it obviously would have to be eliminated from the plan, but it could be included in the plan at this point uh, while we work through those deed restrictions. Um, the family has been very generous with their time and energy and um, are very passionate about this space. So. Uh, their willingness to even open up the conversation, to true up the deed, and to address the potential uses for the caretaker house, all of that would be handled at the same time. Great. All right, is there any other discussion on the motion? And the motion is to disapprove. Um, I'm counting noses, and, and I think, I don't know what Commissioner Hugh feels about this, but I'm counting noses, and if it's 3-3, three, three, it doesn't pass, is that correct? Chair Williams, from my understanding, that is correct. If it's 3-3, it doesn't pass, but we would make sure to include those comments that this discussion happened and that there was a split amongst the commissioners when we carry it forward to council, right. um, just for information's sake. Let's take, a quick, let's take a quick vote on the motion on the table. And there's there's um, another remark. Oh, uh, Commissioner Walton, you wanna say something? Thank you, I just wanted to add to the discussion two things. Um, as I understand from our consultants, we're. We're voting on the concept, and we don't necessarily have to agree to the color of paint or you know, all the other details. And so we also don't have to consider the price of it. We don't need to be thinking about, well, we're only gonna do this if we can, you know, within a budget. We haven't been considering budget items for anything else that we've been deciding tonight. And then also just to remind us of uh, what staff have said, that there are grants that continue to come through the pipeline. You know, at some point, the whole state will be moving to gender-neutral restrooms. Yay! And so there will be funding, I'm sure, to support that. But today, we really aren't making a decision about budget. We're making a decision about the comfort of our neighbors, our friends and family, 
our elderly, our little people when we go to the park. And I think for that, that has nothing to do with budget. It's just about, yes, 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 we want to be comfortable. Yes, we have a second bathroom. That's all I have to say. Appreciate that. All right, let's take a quick vote on the motion on the table. Uh, I have a feeling which way it's going to go. And then I will entertain a motion for the, uh, um, the alternative motion. Go ahead. Mr. Member. Commissioner Furia? No. Commissioner Hugh? No. Commissioner Replicable Pearson? No. Commissioner Walton? I got confused. What is the motion that I'm voting on? <laughs> I'm so sorry. To disapprove the second bathroom. No. Uh, Vice Chair Jenkins? No. And Chair no. Williams? Well, yes. That's why we talk, oh, you know? Exactly. <laughs> okay. You should have said that. I would have just withdrawn the motion. We could have withdrawn it. Okay. All right. It goes at defeat. Who wants to make the alternative motion? There doesn't have to be because that's, that's one, not of the one of the items that, that we brought on. up. That is true. That's a very good point. All right. Is there anything else uh, that was on the list of things to do that any commissioner would like to um, raise for discussion at this point? Chair Williams, I would like to, um, I'm trying to get it up on the screen, share with you the um, plan, the draft master plan with the vignette choices that the commission voted on today. Yep. And there you go. Oh, so you were able to put them all in. It was a lot of advanced work completed. Very good. We have about 20 <laughs> hidden slides in this presentation. Okay. It's a function of permutations and they're limited. <clears throat> but we could not prepare one of these for every of element that you voted on tonight. So this is just the, the vignette areas of uh, the natural play in the northern section and the inclusive playground in the southern section. And the one volleyball court. Oh, does that have two volleyball courts? It's just one. That was just one. So that's all the action items that we have for the commission this evening unless there was anything else that the commission needed to bring up about the draft plan. Our next steps for this project will be to take everything that the, we've heard this evening, the consultants have a lot of work in front of them, they'll be putting together a, a package for us to take to city council. City council has not seen all these different diagrams that you've seen, uh, they did have one presentation on this project since the project has begun. And so this will be their first uh, bite at the apple to say, I love this, I don't like this, what happened to this? And we can talk through those elements. So that will be taking place in um, either late February or early March. Uh, we are just trying to uh, move this project, keep this project moving along as fast as possible, but we wanna do our due diligence. And not to hit um, uh, a dead horse, but you will do a thorough ESHA analysis of what what areas are proposed to be developed that are in ESHA. Now. Yes, Chair Williams and members of the commission. So uh, we've been talking with our consultant team and our biological team, our planning team and our public works team 
as to when the CEQA process should begin. Um, it could begin after we receive some council direction if there's any other changes, but uh, CEQA analysis is an expensive process, so we wanna make sure that we don't have things that are moving around once we've begun that process. So we are working with the biological team right now to determine what a timeline would be for the CEQA process and um, a cost for that process as well. It's a mandated process, and if we were to apply for the grant that I spoke of earlier, it would be a requirement of the process anyway. Uh, so which, for the city of Goleta, we do this with all of our projects. It's a law, and we follow that law. So um, it's just when that CEQA process would take place, whether it's at the very end or between the first time the council sees it and the last time the council sees it, we're just trying to um, figure all those little nuances out, um, but it will take place before we have construction documents. And all I'm suggesting is that for the council to really get a sense of this, is that you very clearly just indicate with slashes or, you know, in red or whatever, these are areas that uh, represent new development in ESHA areas. I think the council needs to understand that because that will be a, an issue for them. But with that, any other comments about this? Let me say, um, we're going to get commission comments in a sec. Let me say, I think that was a wonderful, productive discussion. Um, thank you. It was clear all the commissioners did your homework. It was, this is a wonderful commission in doing homework. I think uh, we made it through a lot. I want to thank the consultants and, of course, staff very much. And um, this leads to the final item, which is commissioner comments. Are there any commissioner comments? Yes, Commissioner Furia. Uh, now that we've agreed on the master plan and it does not include a pump track, I just want to strongly encourage the Parks and Rec Department. I think you already are on it, but um, there's a lot of interest in the in the community, and so I just want to say that not voting on it today was not because I don't think it belongs in the community. I just it didn't work in the park, this park, but I think it definitely belongs in the community somewhere. So I just wanted to throw out. I hope it shows up somewhere along with the larger <laughs> skate park. Um, maybe we can put all those features together and have a really awesome um, community space. Excellent. Thanks. Larger skate park, pump track, and dog park. <laughs> okay, Commissioner don't, Jenkins. Don't forget pickleball. <laughs> pickleball, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Commissioner Jenkins. Well, I'd like to uh, thank staff and KTUNA for all the work that they've done. Um, this has been a long process uh, with a lot of moving parts and to distill it down to the critical pieces that our community uh, wanted to see uh, go forth for our consideration. Uh, I'm just in awe with the work that has been done. And also the very nicely stated, Commissioner Jenkins, and we want to thank Commissioner Jenkins for being on the advisory committee, because that was a lot of extra work, so thank you very much, Commissioner Jenkins, very much. Okay, I have three comments, unless there are any others. The first one is, if you guys think you're tired, Mr. Valdez started his day today at 5 a.m. Uh, for the point in time count. Mr. Valdez, you want to say just a couple of just, words about that? Just very briefly, I'll take the opportunity to say thank you to staff and the community who came out to help us uh, count our unsheltered uh, population. We got here at 4.30 a.m. Uh, to 4 make sure that everything was ready to go. So um, thank you to everyone for supporting that. Appreciate thank you. It. 
Thank you very much, Mr. Valdez. Um, I want to remind the public and everyone here of the Senior Expo taking place at the Community Center from 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 on Thursday, January 26th, which is tomorrow, um, as well as the first beautified Goleta event of the year taking place on Saturday, January 28th, from 9 to 11. And where is that taking place? All the information for the beautified Goleta and how to sign up is located on our website. Um, that's within a different division, uh, but we uh, support that uh, okay. and their efforts. And I believe this one is a self-directed okay. um, where people can just go out and start cleaning up if they choose to. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, thank you very much. And finally, the next date for the Parks and Recreation Commission is set for Wednesday, March 8th, um, starting at 4 p.m. to address a special agenda item. Do we want to mention what that is? Sure, thank you, uh, Chair Williams. Um, earlier, no, at the end, uh, no, it was in 2022, um, the grant funding committee had, um, who they review our grant applications for our city grants program, our community development block grant program, as well as our support to other agency program. And uh, following their funding cycle and process last year, there was some changes to the structure and they receive quite a few uh, applications that are parks and recreation related, whether primarily for services, and they have decided that the dis the opportunity for commissions to weigh in on some of those grants would help them. They see you as the experts in the area versus um, them in some of these areas. Uh, the same is being looked at at other commissions as well. So the grant application period concludes, I believe it's this Friday. 27th. Um, at end of business day, which is it closes automatically at five o'clock. So make sure it's in. Um, and then uh, the applications will start being sorted on Monday and then we will have our packet. We will do our best to have an early release of that packet. So commission has more opportunity to review those, but uh, we'll be meeting at four o'clock. We're hoping it will only take an hour. We will share with you our rating system at that time. Um, and then that way we can take a recess for the commissioners to uh, leave and grab dinner and then re uh, return at 6 p.m. for our regularly scheduled meeting. Okay. If, if I just may add to it, uh, just very quickly, in a normal year, this committee gets, the, the grant funding review committee gets about 35 to 40. Last year they had, uh, I think it was either 70 or just over 70. So part of it is kind of spreading the wealth, right? And then the other part of it is that the technical expertise portion. And then I didn't say that our mayor and city manager were also there at 4.30 in the morning. So talk about uh, your your uh, city staff wanting to help uh, in the community. You know, getting up at that time when you don't have to is, is, a, is a, good, a good sign of how much people care. So I just want to make sure they got acknowledged as well. We have amazing governance in our city. Thank you very much. All right, so with that, um, and just to remind the public that the regular business um, of our next Parks and Recreation Commission on March 8th will start at 6 p.m. as usual. All right, with that, I believe, with one last thanks to staff, consultants, public, and commissioners, uh, this meeting is adjourned. Uh -huh.